I don't know why I'm yawning so much. I I slept till like fucking twelve o'clock today. You know, mm. I like slept in. I woke up at eight, and my roommate yelled at me and told me like you should fucking stay awake. And I was like, fuck you. I fucking I worked a lot this week and saw Guardians of the Galaxy three times. <laughs> you know, I'm, t- I'm fucking tired. It's a very full day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Skrull of all ages, welcome to Beyond Infinity, a show where fellow like-minded Marvelites have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host and fellow Ravenger, Travis, to discuss the 32nd film in the MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, the final installment of James Gunn's Guardians trilogy. The MCU was founded on a gamble when they decided to cast Robert Downey Jr. as the lead in their first theatrical outing, Iron Man. We know how that story went. It later upped the risk factor in 2012 when they decided to culminate four years of story told through five films in The Avengers, which paid off quite well. The franchise was built on a high-risk, high-reward mentality, and this ethos was put to the test most with 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, a film featuring a team of characters that barely anyone had ever heard of, including a foul-mouthed raccoon and talking tree. Now my mom has a baby group Funko Pop on her work desk, and Star-Lord is a household name. This incredible feat is almost fully the result of of a studio putting the trust in one man's vision, and that man was James Gunn. Feige and the studio, known for their stronghold over creators and tight control over all aspects of production, from story to characters, pretty much let Gunn cook. He retained an enormous amount of control over his band of misaligned space scoundrels, writing and directing the criminally underrated Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, in 2016, a few years later. Then on July 20th of 2018, the filmmaker had been fired from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 after conservative personalities, butthurt by his outspoken liberal views on Twitter, resurfaced decade-old tweets in which he joked about rape and pedophilia. Not very cool, but did happen. The third volume of the franchise was initially set to be the first project out of the gate after Avengers Endgame wrapped up. But with Disney's rash and cowardly decision made by the powers that be, plans had changed. Eventually, thanks to the support of the tight-knit cast, crew, and fan backlash, Gunn was rehired. But... The night Kevin Feige broke the news to Gunn that he wanted him back on board, he had a confession to make that he had just signed on to make the Suicide Squad for Marvel's direct competitor, DC Warner Brothers. Since then, not only was he rehired to direct the film that he was fired from, that is today's uh, podcast, Guardians 3, 
But while in post-production for Guardians 3, he landed the coveted job of co-head of DC Studios, Marvel's chief rival. By hiring him, Warner Brothers Discovery clearly hopes that Gunn will bring some of that Marvel magic with him. Gunn's new gig also includes writing and directing a fucking Superman movie. All of this makes him poised to be the most important figure in the comic book space since Kevin Feige, not to mention probably the busiest. And we here at Beyond Infinity are happy to report that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 absolutely rules. Gunn seems to have been granted creative control on a level which most filmmakers working within the machine that is Marvel Studios rarely ever gets to do. And fans were just delivered what I feel is the first genuinely great film in this franchise since Avengers Endgame. Now, Travis, after a string of films that range from pretty good to mediocre to not good at all, is the critical success of Guardians a kind of lose-lose situation if the film doesn't translate as well with audience as it did with us and flops, it'll be another bounce in a string of unsuccessful outings. But if this movie does do gangbusters and everybody loves it, which is what it seems to be doing, will the world at large be uh, pointing fingers and laughing at Marvel with the Nelson from the Simpsons haha voice for treating their um, talent so poorly and uh, having him get poached by their direct rivals? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good for uh, the fans of uh, comic book media in general. Uh, but yeah, it does make them look exceptionally foolish, especially knowing that they knew about the tweets and all that horse shit before they hired him for the first movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gun is like, well, I mean, we were talking about before he, he went on. Trauma, where it's all yeah. classless fucking. Yeah. Yeah, I know people who work with trauma and it like makes pornography look like bold. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes it like the craft services on like a uh Brazzers set um you know is is top notch compared to the fine folks over at Trauma Films. I could see that. I uh, I did learn one thing from Lloyd Kaufman. If you're making a movie, you shoot the nude scenes first so that the person can't back out of it later and hold you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like Gunn did learn a lot from Trauma, and he's a filmmaker who <laughs> not not necessarily. In this were definitely filmed first. They though. were definitely filmed first. Yeah, uh, Feige X them afterwards. The nude otter scenes, but the um, Marvel has had that track record, and and a lot of the studios like look at what fucking they did with um. Jurassic World and like Colin Trevorrow and me the podcast um, and even Star Wars to an extent with Ryan Johnson and they had like Josh Trank at one point involved and like Mark Webb with the Spider-Man movies where they look outside of the big blockbuster like they don't hire Roland Emmerich they don't hire like the Wolfgang Petersons of the world like you know um and they look for these guys with these indie sensibilities. And and we were talking about before the show started where, like, you look at, like, um, the guys who made, uh, like, um, 
the the Black Widow movie, and they they do really well with the dialogue scenes. Daniel um, Creighton does really yeah. well with the the dialogue scenes and the family stuff in Shang Chi and stuff like that. But it's like the action stuff where it feels very like mechanical and like going through the motions of like studio notes and it feels very pre-visualized and it doesn't have like a director's flair behind it. It feels like a studio mechanism made a lot of the action bits in the majority of the movies where they get these younger indie darlings as opposed to a guy like James Gunn who like, because he came from trauma and he came from schlock like kind of knows how to make things exciting with nothing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, 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 he approaches it like a, a little differently. Um, I'm trying to think to like who I could even like really like fucking compare. Sam Raimi is like a guy you can kind of compare him to, you know what I mean? Where like mm-hmm. Sam Raimi had, he wasn't just about like, Oh, I'm really good at getting a bunch of people in a room and talking about things. Like he didn't make movies like that. Like James Gunn didn't make fucking movies like that. Uh, Sam Raimi didn't make movies like that. He made movies where you throw the fucking camera around yes. and you throw corn syrup worth of blood and you have tentacle you monsters. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You 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 get in the good graces of your actors before you force them to get like a mirror <laughs> thrown through their fucking face. You know what I mean? And he like brings that to these movies and he's kind of like the most well-rounded of all of them. Like maybe an argument can be made for Kugler or Taika. Like they're, they're in the same camp, I think where I think they're both very well-rounded actors who know how to handle the action stuff really well and stuff like that. Like Kugler is very commercially focused filmmaker, right. And, and knows how to make things that looks like very commercially viable. Um, but he got kind of fucked with Black Panther 2 where like three-fourths of that movie are a Ryan Coogler movie. And then like there's a quarter of that film that has Julia Louise Dreyfus talking about shit that doesn't matter. Yes, and yes. we got to set up the Ironheart fucking movie. And we got to set up the Dora Milaje World of Wakanda spinoff. And we got to set up all these Disney Plus things and, and Secret Wars and all this bullshit. But like Gunn didn't get bogged down with any of this and he didn't tell a story about saving the universe or the world or anything. He told a story about trying to save someone's life and that's it. Yeah. Right? I like how small scale this was, uh, even though it is a cosmic story. (laughs) Uh, Set in the cosmos, rather. Yeah, and it is grand in that sense that they're gallivanting across the galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they, they're they do save a planet at the end, I guess. But it for the bulk of the story, it's just about saving their friend. All that other stuff is just incidental, kind of. And it's like kind of hard to ignore, especially with the recent like interviews that Gunn has been giving and articles that have been released based on those interviews kind of how bad the restructuring over at Marvel in the wake of infinity war and Endgame mm-hmm. kind of fucked him so badly with where I think he wanted his story to go. And I would be very interested to see what the initial 
because Guardians again, Guardians three was supposed to be the first movie post Endgame. Um, yeah. Where that script was going to go, and well, the restructuring. He's talked about how Taika Waititi kind of bit the bullet on the including the Guardians in the last Thor movie because, like, for his script for Guardians three, Thor wasn't in it, so he was going to have to figure out how to get him out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that Gunn was privy to, especially we've heard in interviews lately, uh, he's saying he was not consulted in regards to the script for the characters that he is so like responsible for the, responsible for the voices of, yes. Yeah. Um, he wasn't consulted on the Infinity War Endgame script, these movies that use his characters or Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious, and I'm curious to think if you think he was privy to any of the information regarding to where those characters would be and Gamora he dying is the big hope one. So. would certainly hope so, but it doesn't seem like it <laughs> until it's like in where it's not a not a discussion they're having. It's just a thing he's finding out is going to kind of where it's like, yeah, he can't negotiate against it. <laughs> I think that with Gamora's death, yeah, being the big one. Yeah, because this film explains to us four times that this is not the Gamora <laughs> that we yeah. knew before. Uh, so if you were just watching the Guardians films, you would need to know this, but if you've seen Infinity War and Endgame, you're fine. Maybe the time travel stuff is confusing, so general audiences could have forgotten or not understood in general. So, yeah. Do you think anyone on the this movie explains? <laughs> Do you think anyone on the planet Earth hasn't seen Avengers Endgame? No, no, probably not. From yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. But it, it's like, if I'm curious to see what kind of wrenches were kind of thrown into, you know, guns gears in terms of the story and like what he was left with to work with, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there was a point in time where I don't know if these were rumors or this was official or it was just wishful thinking on behalf of fans of Marvel where, I mean, you and I talked about it back in the day where we're like, Imagine if James Gunn took over the cosmic side of things and they let Feige take care of the Earth-based Avengers shit. Yeah. 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 Right. And like, don't touch this shit without James Gunn around. That's kind of how it feels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, at the time, and I still kind of hold this view, I don't know that I would want him to handle every cosmic character in general, but just like mapping things out would be fine, I think. Uh, like, I want Silver Surfer to be mopey, and sure, he would make yeah. him fun. I uh, completely all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Granted, this was a fucking sad movie, so who knows? Maybe I'm underestimating his willingness to shift in tone for different characters. This was a really emotional movie, and. I would, one might say. I would not. I, I'm, I'm teasing a bit with that. but Yeah. 
but I mean, I was with a friend yesterday watching this movie who like cried during it when she thought a raccoon was going to die. And that kind of gets me to a point where are the guardians like, is a guardian franchise the most emblematic of Marvel's like brand power? You know what I mean? Like a lot of people who work inside Disney and Marvel will say Iron Man wasn't the most important Marvel movie. Avengers wasn't the most important Marvel movie. It was Guardians of the Galaxy because that proved that we could kind of do anything. anything. Yeah. Yeah. I could kind of see that. Yeah. Uh, Like you said in the the preview thing there, the Guardians weren't characters that were well known. Uh, even I remember seeing the comics for sale and never buying them growing up. But uh, you didn't read any of the. Didn't um, know anyone that did. It's, yeah. Really, you didn't read what's his name? Will um, I always call him Will Pistachio? What the hell is the name of that guy? Um, he he like works for Top Cow. He is one of the guys who first started Image. Oh my god. Um, Portacio or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never read any of his '90s uh, Guardian stuff no, with like no, not, Charlie not. Thirteen and Yondu and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like Rocket Raccoon was like a joke in the Who's Who of the Marvel Universe that you would flip through the page and get. Yeah, to I'm him. sure that's most likely where I first saw him. Uh, I, yeah. And like we've both gone back and familiarized ourselves. Like I read um, Annihilation as it was uh, as it was coming out. I know that you've gone back and read some of that Abnett and Landing stuff. And yeah, yeah, I read it. I reread it, I guess, recently, uh, and caught some of the tie-in issues that I didn't before. Uh, and that's kind of the birth of the the current lineup a little bit. Uh, or at least yeah, popularized Marvel Cosmics. Uh, a mix of that and a mix of the Infinity Watch Adam Warlock stuff. Um, that that like Jim Starlin shit, like after the Infinity Gauntlet and all that, when uh, Adam Warlock split up the gems, and like that's where like I first knew about like Gamora and Drax, like that's yes. where I knew all those characters from as a kid. Dragon and uh, all those, yeah, yeah, Nebula too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it took kind of like a special, a special kind of spirit to like mine that well of things. You know what I mean? Um, because that wasn't the most popular well to mine for resources when it comes to billion dollar franchises. You know, um, space operas are expensive, and ones with raccoons are a gamble, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like talking trees and shit, you know, and especially like he kind of makes them like unlikable in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, yeah, they're mean. <laughs> yeah, they're like tough, mean bastards, you know. Um, but what Gun has always been so successful with, and you and I have gone on about how we think um, Guardians Two is kind of misaligned. And, and kind of misunderstood. And... I don't understand why people dislike it as much as they seem to, where they put it up there with Thor the Dark World and things like that. I, uh, I think it has some of the better character arts in the entire MCU, kind of. 
And it does what James Gunn does best, which is like sad dad, sad mm-hmm. family, like a bunch of misfits who feel out of place, finding themselves within each other and finding themselves within their inner self to be the hero they're supposed to be. You know what yeah. I mean? The outsider story. And maybe it has a lot to do with James Gunn's roots working on the outside. Like that. Guy, this guy was making movies for like almost like two decades before the first Guardians came out. But he was always like just on the outside of the mainstream. Like mm-hmm. I'd assume that Slither and Super were the films that got him the job. But yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Uh yeah, but those weren't like mainstream <laughs> films, right? Uh no, no. I watched them and everything back then, uh, but I don't. Well, my cousin was into horror, saw both of them also, but yeah, that uh, no one else. <laughs> my ex-wife really dug The Office when it was like first on TV, The American mm-hmm. Office, and um before we were dating she used to have uh she was like one of the first people i knew who had like netflix disc rentals back in like mm-hmm. 2007 2008 and um she got super and like watched it at my house you know what i mean that i remember us being like holy shit this is a crazy fucking person movie you know what i mean um same same woman who turned me on to brick around the same time the ryan johnson movie yeah uh where i was like oh my god never in my fucking life would i think that the guy who made super and the guy who made brick would be at the helm of superman and luke skywalker (laughs) you know what i mean like of course yeah 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 it's so cool man um this is the 10th movie since avengers endgame and before we start talking about the plot, let's talk about where Marvel Studios is now, right? So we know um, after Endgame, we were going to have like a little bit of a hiatus as they were kind of um, thinking about what the next plan is going to be settling down. And we didn't really know what kind of stories that they were going to tell. But I would say in terms of brand recognition, at that point in time, Marvel was at an all-time high no one in the world didn't have faith that like Marvel movies fucking ruled and can, can pull it off. Right. So we were going to do whatever they told us. Right. Um, Bob Iger was in charge at that time, right. Of Disney. And he was always more like the relationship kind of guy. Uh, but for some reason, he was on this like real big like content. Like we have to enter the streaming world and we have to enter it fast. So he was a guy who kind of like fast tracked all of Disney Plus and and it coming out like in 2020, like really quickly. Um, and then Iger got shit canned from Marvel, right? Or from from Disney. I thought he was trying to retire or something. If- I don't know if it was a firing or a a stepping down. Yeah, he like left on whatever grounds. And I forgot the name of the other guy they they brought in. Um, God, what was the name of that guy? But he was more like, from my understanding, like a numbers guy and Mm -hmm. evaluation guy. And it seems like, and obviously there were things like a global pandemic that shut down the world and shut down the industry and a lot of industries for a very long time that affected all of this. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, 
there was a big content push for Marvel. Um, it's the birth of this podcast, right? Yes, yes. Whenever we were certain we were going to get pretty much something new Marvel every week. <laughs> Damn, yeah. it has felt like that, but it's not always been the reality. Huh? I mean, since 2021, we've gotten eight television shows and 10 movies, right? Mm-hmm. It's like 18 full projects that in a comp what's the word I'm looking for occupies more time to to watch yeah, yeah. than anything in the infinity saga all 22 hours because those television shows are eight hours long mm-hmm. so if you just think of like the sheer volume time wise worth of shit from the MCU that we have gotten in the past two years. It's more than the first 10 years of the infinity saga. Well, should we count, uh, in humans and agents of shield and daredevil and no, 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 I know they're not canon now, but at the time they were, uh, pseudo canon. <laughs> well, uh, allegedly canon. It's all years. connected. Shit. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't necessarily because it wasn't like Disney proper giving us that shit. It wasn't Marvel Studios proper. Yes. Like yeah. Ke- Kevin Feige was tasked to oversee all of this coming out mm-hmm. in the past two years. And we know Kevin Feige has been, what do we a call it? Like, figure? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, it's almost like, like, uh, um, auteur, producer right like this has kind of been like the vision of like a producer as much as it's been like individual filmmakers you yeah, know like yeah. more than you would think it's typical like it he's become associated with it like stanley is through the comics whether he whatever his level of involvement actually is he's kind of the figurehead of the brand but with this giant push after Iger left we know, and now especially we know that um, he just physically couldn't do that because he's one human and there's not enough time in the day. So yeah, Marvel yeah. built that like parliament. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we got like Nate Moore. We got all these people. And I feel like it's kind of like caused the quality to almost be like filtered through a mesh filter because it's not, it doesn't have that same kind of. Like continuity, uh, and yeah, 100%. And Iger has recently come back, right? And mm-hmm. during that time period when he was gone, we started hearing the first negative behind the scenes shit about Marvel, whether it be the uh Victorio Alonso stuff, mm-hmm. um, the Scarlett Johansson stuff, the stuff with the visual effects houses. Um, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a, a steady stream of controversies a little bit, huh? And on top of a steady stream of controversies, we've gotten a decline in the final product in a lot of these, yeah, especially the larger stuff. Uh, there's been a drop in quality. Uh, anyone that's seen Ant-Man and the Wasp has to admit that that was not up to par visually. Eternals is one of the most like confusing and baffling decisions to like 
green light and then say okay to that like i i couldn't mm-hmm. imagine marvel in 2016 2017 getting the dailies back and being like let's good. yeah, yeah it looks good they'd be like okay get feige to set right now to figure this out kind of <laughs> shit you know what i mean mm-hmm. um that's that kind of like shadow directing stuff that he is kind of known to be doing you know what i yeah. mean yeah 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 um, and some filmmakers work very well with Feige pulling that kind of shit. Like the Russo brothers work really well in this. Yeah, you know, there's not so much. Like you're Edgar Wright to the world that I don't know necessarily that it was Feige specifically, but just that sort of uh, control uh, from above. And I was scared going into the Guardians on Thursday night because. Again, like while I liked Black Panther Wakanda Forever a lot, mm-hmm. you saw the bullshit between the cracks, like yeah. pretty pretty heavily when it appeared. And you and I complained about it on the podcast a bit. Like we we criticized it and we said, like, maybe in three years when all that stuff makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we get the Iron Heart show. We'll enjoy this shit more, but yeah, yeah. At the moment, as a movie by itself, yeah, I the Ironheart stuff wasn't great, and uh, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, the Lord of the Rings guy. Uh, yep, <laughs> Martin Freeman. Yeah, Marty Freeman. Yeah, yes, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Good yeah. actors, not a good plotline. Yeah, it was very bizarre, and Ryan Coogler's a guy I really like, and I have a lot of respect for. But mm-hmm. we saw the bullshit got to him and Taika Waititi is a guy I love. Like, I think Ragnarok is a top five Marvel movie. Yeah. 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 And love and thunder was just like bloated crap. Like I kind of mm-hmm. dug it in the moment, but like, are you going to go back and watch love and thunder? No, no. I, uh, I don't for several reasons, but yeah, yeah. That movie's just not good. I, if I was ranking like the my bottom five of the MCU, a lot of them are from this last phase, kinda. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, fucking Quantum Mania, Love and Thunder, Eternals. Eternals um, is bottom of the barrel. Like yes, you know what I mean. Firmly, firmly, firmly. Yeah, firmly, uh, firmly. It's a it's a fiber rich stool. It's just like we're going by runtime. <laughs> yeah. Longer and yeah. fucking bland. Um, yeah, yeah, the vanilla custard that was fucking Eternals, fucking. Um, and, and I should say that, like, we rated some of these a bit more favorably, but we're kind of grading, or at least I am grading on a scale of what Marvel's given us before, and that's, yeah. If it was the only Marvel movie to exist, I would probably be better. <laughs> oh man, like when when we did when we did Ant Man and the uh, Quantum Mania, like. I, I was writing my dumb little intro on the toilet before we went on. And in it, I was like, I am about to complain about this thing. And then part of me is like, Modoc's in a movie. And like, exactly. You yeah. know, like, it's I'm not complaining. All bad. It's just wishing it was more finished. Yeah. And like, the dailies came back. This is another thing that had me nervous about walking into guardians three on Thursday, mm-hmm. I 
know the stories about how the reception of he who remains from Loki was so fucking high and the dailies came back on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania where the powers that be at Marvel stopped what they were doing and said, like, I know for a fact that Kang was not the original endgame of this thing, apparently. But of uh, Ant-Man or just these phase of the phases of, of like oh, where I they're going. It. Like it wasn't going to be Kang. And then just the reception was just through the roof and everyone was very captivated, both audiences during Loki and everyone at Disney and Marvel studios with what was coming back from Jonathan majors. And they're like, you know what? We're going to rest this part of the franchise on this really young, captivating actor who's going to be this time traveling guy. He's going to get to play around with lots of different variants. He's very skilled. He's up and coming. We fucking got Jonathan majors at the right time. Look at us. We're so smart. (laughs) Guess what? He just got arrested by the NYPD. Guess what? He beat up his girlfriend. Guess what? He just allegedly, he just got dropped from his talent agency. Guess what? All the movies that he has coming out got pulled from Cinecon. To exonerate him, just made him look more guilty. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is the shape of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is going on in my head as, you know, a guy who sits on a microphone once a week with his fucking buddy to talk about this shit. It's been. Scary. And I mean, do you want to say what you thought before going in about how you felt about Marvel movies? Yeah, yeah. No, I went into this one uh, and it actually took me a little bit to get into this one, I think, partly because of my general disenchantment with the MCU, where it's just, uh, it had been a while since, like, a a great one. I liked Wakanda Forever a good deal. Like, but that was it was great for what they had to work with in the sense of they lost their main actor and they were fucking trying to reestablish things and all that uh but yeah yeah like coming off of love and thunder and fucking ant-man and yeah the uh, the bloom is off the rules uh, a bit yeah you start to think maybe I'm not too into you anymore, Marvel. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just not into comic book movies at all. Is that what? Maybe I I was wondering if Ant Man was as mediocre as I felt, or if they just weren't my taste has changed or something. Yeah. And the it's not you, it's me. Classic. Yeah, yeah. Classic breakup, right? Thankfully, though. Thankfully, though. This movie won me over, and it looked finished. I liked that. I liked that the CGI looked good and uh, was used for the way it should have been. And a hundred percent. This movie pushes the envelope a bit of what you can get away with in a PG thirteen movie. That also was nice for me. Both um, aesthetically, visually, and thematically. Um, yeah, yeah, and and naughty words, yes. Yes, and naughty words, yes, yes, yes. The least of them, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, yeah. They don't say uh, cunt rag in this movie or cum dumpster, but they do drop a we're F-bomb there, in it. Yeah, we're getting there. We're get, yeah. Just wait till Arrows shows up in fucking Eternals 2. We'll get a cum dumpster <laughs> joke or something. I don't know. Uh, Pip the troll will say it. Um, yeah. um, something is to be said about this being the first marvel movie in this phase not to use any of the volume technology um something that you and i have talked about how it's pretty cool when implemented well to get things done quickly um i'm also wondering like how much of that is just it's new technology and i mean they first started doing surface CGI, going back to look at it, it's an abomination. Is that what's going on with this fucking volume? Uh, I think it's a way you use a volume, and we talked about it a lot when we were covering The Mandalorian, how um, one of the things about Star Wars that I think makes it so powerful for audiences is that it uses a cinematic language that we're so familiar with where, yeah, it's got gleep glop aliens and starships and shit, but it's a desert. It's a forest. It's a water place. It's like stuff that we don't have to suspend our disbelief so hard environment wise. Um, to imagine and a lot of the stuff especially in the first season of the mando on um whatever the desert planet was that he was on um with the nick nolte pig man uh the ugnot uh <laughs> love that guy um, may or may not have been played by uh nick nolte but definitely I, think, I think it was played by nick nolte that ugnot i'm yeah. like almost positive but wow. regardless um that was shot practically with CGI elements thrown in. Yes. Right. Like it was shot with like a 360 degree camera. So it was like all real stuff. And that's an old school Hollywood technique. When you're driving in a car, you strap a car, like a a camera to the back of the car, you film it. And then you put two people in a car without windshields and you play the image of that you recorded driving behind them. So it looks like they're talking. That's old school Hollywood shit. When you do it in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and it's a game engine, unreal environment that looks like a mock-up for the new Halo or Gears of War with a bunch of unrecognizable nonsense gobbledygook. Doesn't work so well, you know? It really is just the backgrounds that fucking... Like, the actual creature design and CGI isn't as bad in Ant-Man, but the backgrounds just look like nothing at all. Uh, it's kind of a criticism of Endgame, too, where the final sure. battle takes place on this barren wasteland that doesn't really look real, uh, for the most part, uh, as opposed to something like Age of Ultron, where the final battle takes place in a, a destroyed city that is mostly practical and yeah yeah it's like this when reminded you... me this movie reminded me more of uh, age of ultron where it's uh got stuff i recognize and it looks good and i can uh there's an action beat <laughs> later yeah. On. yeah and when you um when you marry that cgi digital technology with 
practical sets and a couple practical costume designs. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie's not <laughs> this movie's not um not CGI heavy. It's so CGI heavy. Yes, fucking two yes. of the main characters are fucking cartoons, right? Well, it, like it looks good. It's like the backgrounds. There's a uh, planet that looks like David Cronenberg fucking designed it or something. It's just fleshy mm-hmm. nonsense. And fucking whenever they get to it, it looks good. And when they're inside it, it looks good. Uh, looks like a thing you could probably touch or something. Mm-hmm. What if the uh, Marvel signs Brandon Cronenberg up to make like the <laughs> Infinity Watch, uh, like team up movie or some shit? Uh, he'll be directing Blade, I think. Right? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> when it finally doesn't get made. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. There's this. This was a special one that that gave me that love and feeling back, buddy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it. It really, really fucking worked for me and i think it also helps where it wasn't it wasn't like forcing me to give a fuck about like characters that they're shoehorned like it didn't force me to give a fuck who riri williams was or yeah. why the Melage had a new fucking red suit or like <laughs> why kang's gonna be something cool in fucking three years like it was what i needed from a guardians of the galaxy trilogy closer right it yeah. was our characters back doing their thing <sighs> Like the the opening scene is literally Rocket Raccoon, a character who has no right being a household name, no right being as popular as he is. My mother, God bless her, a goddamn saint, like one the sweetest woman in the world, scared the shit out of me because I'm recording at her house before I was setting I was setting up my microphone and shit. And I had mm-hmm. my headphones on. I was testing something. And she was like putting cookies and and a drink behind me on this thing. And I turned around. I was like, God damn it. What are you? I just started screaming. And she just went like, ah, like, like she just started screaming. I was like, I'm so sorry, mom. You scared me. Like, what are you doing? You're just like sneaking up on me. And she's like, I'm bringing you cookies. I'm like, okay, you win today, lady. You know, thanks for birthing me. Um, Yeah. But my mom like loves rocket raccoon. And this movie starts with probably the most solemn beginning of a Marvel film with the exception of Black Panther Wakanda forever and dealing with the death of Chadwick Bosman. Yes. And it's just rocket listening to Radiohead being sad, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Indeed. I am wallowing in misery a little bit. Uh, Yeah. I uh, really like the opening. The Radio Hall Ahead song is one of the songs in the soundtrack I like more than others, I guess. And I was surprised. I knew uh, going into this movie that this was going to be the first full F-bomb in the MCU. The mm-hmm. I like, cut off midway. Yeah. I thought this was where it was going to be. I, uh, yeah, because the lyrics say you're so fucking special, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I joked because my friend who I saw with on Thursday night was like, I heard they dropped the F word in this movie. And I was like, no way, man. You can't do that in a Disney movie. You know what I mean? 
Um, and he's like, no, he found, he said it on Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. I'm like, okay, we'll see. And then when the Radiohead song started, I was like, dude, see, they just used a song that says the F word in it. That's all they did. Yeah. Um, on the nose needle drop a little bit, right? <laughs> a bit, a bit. Uh, yeah. The I want a perfect body, I want a perfect soul, considering what we know of Rocket Raccoon up until this point and what we are about to learn about Rocket Raccoon and his origin. Um, <laughs> James Gunn, uh, one of like the needle drop kings at this point, correct? Yes, for this franchise, for sure. The, uh, I mean, in any yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like who? Who do we got? We got Tarantino, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Scorsese, right? He'll play the same fucking Rolling Stone song four times in one movie, right? <laughs> right. The Departed does that. Like it's just a shot away. It's just like four times in that movie, right? I don't remember. I don't remember that. Oh, uh... children. I can't believe I can't remember the name of that. Uh, Give Me Shelter, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Edgar Wright, right? Kind of reigning champion. Uh, could, be, could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if if you had a versus battle for guardians of the galaxy awesome mixtape number one versus the baby driver soundtrack i've only seen baby driver once i i can't say i can't say okay yeah i know this scott pilgrim soundtrack is a banger though (laughs) it is a banger yeah it is a banger yeah yeah. i don't particularly like that uh but is it a scientology is that why no 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 uh I think that's really good. Zeno is the one true god. Uh, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That is true. I haven't cleansed myself of my thetons lately. Maybe that's why I've been feeling so down. <laughs> um, the Baby Driver soundtrack does have Run the Jewels on it, though. Okay. Well, that's I like Run the Jewels. Uh, yeah. Bet. Yeah. 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 It has Run the Jewels and uh, fucking John Hamm with a cool haircut like raging out to fucking a queen song at one point which yeah, is yeah. pretty pretty gnarly yeah which is pretty gnarly it's got that um that hot spanish actress that you call when anna de Armos says no um aiza gonzalez in it too mm. <laughs> i'm a big fan of hers um the emotions that you can get though from you you joked in the beginning this movie's kind of manipulative with its emotions and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah Sarah McLachlan is not on the soundtrack but probably should have been with all the uh the sad animal stuff in this movie yeah yeah, yeah. it's pretty nuts it's pretty nuts um what's his name Rocket Raccoon is uh wallowing sadly as the Guardians are rebuilding nowhere um mm-hmm. did you like the Guardian sign above the bar. Did you notice that? I did. I did. Where it's basically the uh, the title, uh, the way it's written on the poster, but not just in whatever the native language is. Yeah, yeah, gibberish. Yeah, yeah, gibberish. Yeah, yeah, gibberish. Yeah, gobbledygook. I believe uh, is that is a native tongue. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure someone Um, knows it. Uh. How do you feel about uh, Peter Quill's uh, descent into alcoholism? 
that they don't really explore too much. of demon in the bottle than uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not a great like it's just he's he's an alcoholic. No, it's not a big factor later on or anything, but he's definitely drinking too much and, and passing like out. A, he's not like a, a fun drunk. He's a I'm being mean to my animal buddy. Yeah, he's a mopey drunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a very mopey drunk. Um, the scene in the trailer where we see all the guardians line up, like <laughs> carrying Quill's the body. Corpse of, yeah, 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 yeah. Where everyone, you know, the trailer has so many moments where you're like, and the movie. Yeah, has yeah. so many moments of like, oh my god, Drax is gonna die. Oh my god, Rocket's gonna die because we see him like getting worked on in surgery. Oh my god, Quill's gonna die because we see him dead in the in the trailer. Mm-hmm. There are so many psych outs in this fucking movie. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers: no one dies. But I, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like that they tease it. So nope, much. that's not true. The otter dies. Oh. Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. No one that matters. No. Yeah. <laughs> no one we knew from, from previous movies, and us. No saw higher life forms. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch the uh, the clip I sent of uh, this uh, Chris Pratt corpse, and how did Nebula carry it? Uh, I had watched the clip you sent me, and mm-hmm. I also read something in an interview with Gunn where. Uh, Legendary Studios had built a 35-pound dummy uh, that did, like, artificial breathing of Chris Pratt so she could carry him, right? And this yes. was this was a this was a prop. This was a Muppet, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Gunn apparently kept it in his office, and people would keep coming in and seeing, like, dead Chris Pratt just sitting in the corner like he kept it on the ground. And mm-hmm. it was freaking people out for a while. Um, kind just of incredible, though. On the mouth occasionally, just fucking eat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It coughs up blood, right? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has people come in while he's fucking reenacting the Pulp Fiction fucking needle in the chest thing on this fucking dummy, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, attaches a flashlight to its butt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. There's a lot of fun that can be had for this fucking thing. There's a lot of fun you could have. Cookie. It reminds me of uh, the the Muppets from Possessor, where it's like they're hyper realistic and you can melt them. <laughs> yeah, and their faces melt. Um, yes, yes. Wish they built one of Nebula um, <laughs> <laughs> and sold it on the internet. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Um, I I like this whole opening bit. I like the title card credits. All this fucking. Did you for notice me. Uh, what Rocket takes a drink out of after he's? It's like a cool, like glass milk carton. Uh, have you ever had a hamster? It. <laughs> no. It's it's pretty much what they drink out of. It's what it looked like to me. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I did have a hamster once and lost it. Have I ever told you about this? Um. They're all escape artists. I had one as a kid too that kept not getting out of the cage because I was not a very good uh, custodian of it. <laughs> I was like a little kid and I was like having dinner and my cat came in and had the hamster 
cage stuck around its neck. Like my cat wanted to eat this thing so bad that it stuck its head in the little plastic thing to open it up and got its neck stuck and like just got stuck and was like coming around the house. And I was like, either I lost my hamster or my cat ate it. One or the other. Right. Mm -hmm. About three years later, I was moving. This is not even a joke. I was moving and I was helping my mom roll up a rug and we rolled it up and it was like just flat hamster bones underneath the rug. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like this thing, <laughs> this thing just went under the rug and we probably just stepped on it for like oh, three yeah. or four years. And it was just like the corpse of Sonic the hamster, whatever I named it at the time. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It Pet was pretty funny. Sword. Yeah. Speaking of pet ownership, uh, Cosmo the space dog is very cool. I yeah, I like Cosmo a lot. Uh, she has my favorite running gag in the movie with Craglin here. Mm-hmm. Where we see that Craglin is incapable of using the Yondu fin and whistle. But mm-hmm. I think they very cleverly establish Cosmo's deal. At one point, they do tell you her origin story. Like, yes. very yeah. 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 But they, they're like weird space dog that talks out of a neck collar with telekinesis. Mm-hmm. You know, very clever little exposition in a scene where we see it pick up this pebble and throw it around. Yeah. They didn't um, have to tell me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have to tell me. I was waiting yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm familiar with the Cosmo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that the girl playing Cosmo the space dog is the same girl who trapped Rudy Giuliani into permitting her to film him in a hotel room offering a 16 year old a drink and trying to hit on her. I didn't realize it was the same person. That's yeah. Pretty it's the it's the Borat girl. That's yeah, yeah. an insane thing that actually happened in real life. That's yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah. And then, like, two weeks later, when he tried to have a press conference, like, to address it, <laughs> he, he booked the Four Seasons, and it ended up being, like, Four Seasons landscaping. And yes, treat- yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the highlights of the uh, the election period there. 100%. 100%. It's a legitimate Arrested Development joke. It, you know what I mean? It's so stupid. <laughs> How could anyone that incompetent be allowed to run anything? And yet they mm-hmm. are. Yes, yes. And here they are. He's a lawyer. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, Craglin calling Cosmo a bad dog and that being a running bit is one of the ones that really, really worked for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is where we talk about fucking Adam Warlock, man. Fucking Adam Warlock. Well, are we well, going to talk about Mantis? And her brother, Star-Lord, and how they mentioned this twice. Just They assume you've seen the Guardians Holiday Special. They assume you've seen the Guardians Holiday Special, and they're constantly like, we gotta help Quill, and it's like, can't you talk to him? It's your brother, you know? <laughs> they, it's, it's stuff like that, you know yeah. what I mean? And at like one point later in the movie, he's like, you're my sister, and you're the only person I need, right? Mm. Uh, um, Something along those lines, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's very much brushed off as opposed to a lot of other exposition, which they continually dump down your throat. Uh, It's obvious which one James Gunn decided would be canon and which one James Gunn was forced (laughs) into making canon in his movies. James Gunn did the holiday special, so he assumes that you fucking saying that. So that's reasonable. He told you on Twitter to watch it. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Adam Warlock shows up looking to retrieve Rocket's raccoon, and we get this cool fight sequence on Nowhere where we get to see Adam Warlock kind of show off his cool power set and get, like, individual one-on-ones with each of the guardians right like um yeah um they all kind of get a go at him uh nebula's action i've only seen this movie one time or as opposed to your three times at this point yeah i'm like a masochist it's... yeah uh but yeah nebula's little bit with the wings is the only thing i really remember clearly at this point uh there's a good bit where he breaks mantis's arm like uh, really yeah, yeah, jarringly. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that's and kind of brutal. <laughs> it's real brutal. And then Drax gets pissed with this like pick on someone your own size bit and mm-hmm. throws him out. And they fight in the street. And it ends with Warlock just pounding Drax the Destroyer in the fucking face. And literally the townspeople being like, "Please stop! Like, please, please stop! <laughs> this is a lot. You know what I mean?" Um, before Nebula's cool new arm upgrade shanks him in the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is pretty tight. Um, should we talk about Warlock now or save it for later? We should talk about fucking Warlock now because <laughs> people love Adam Warlock. Like, I have comic book friends who just love Adam Warlock and have been so excited for Adam Warlock to like show up and and yeah. be finally be in the and we you know we got the post credits stinger from uh the last guardians of the galaxy movie where we knew he was going to be kind of retconned into being part of the sovereign um Adam Warlock originally created by Jack Kirby and um and Stanley uh first appearing in like Fantastic 4 and and Thor comics um he was created in the comics uh, by a bunch of earth scientists called like the enclave mm-hmm. in their attempt to create like a perfect being that they would call him, but he got hatched from his cocoon too early. So he wasn't able to um, be like fully formed. He was born out of a very similar looking cocoon as we saw at the end of uh, the, um, guardians to post credit singer it's one of the things i kind of really dug because like they kept that cool kirby design right yes yeah yeah we've seen yeah. two of the cocoons uh i don't know uh, i want to say they modernized that the the cocoon for the guardians 2 one but the i want to say in guardians 1 we saw a different version of it in we might the have gathering uh did we see it in the um 1982 steve gutenberg film cocoon I don't think so. I don't think so. There's a little ahead. A little ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. What about Cocoon 2, the one that took place in the old folks' home where there were cocoons in the pool? Do you know about these movies? Am I... I, uh, I know about them. I don't know if I've seen them uh, at all. Uh, I haven't thought about them in 30 years. Is it a years. Pod People movie or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, pod... I probably have seen them at some yeah. point, but yeah, or one but, of them. But it's like a feel-good, like, Amblin 80s kind of okay. like post Spielberg kind yeah. of movie. You know what I mean? Like post ET kind of starring Steve Gutenberg though, for some reason in between making one of 12 fucking police Academy sequels. Um, 
after uh, being hatched too early, um, he ends up kind of being adopted by the high evolutionary um, who in the comics is like an earth scientist from the 1920s named Herbert Winston Windham. Um, I may be wrong on that last name. No, no, no. It's something like that. And, and he had like, he fucked around with Mr. Sinister a lot and they fucked about like creating like animal Mm. people and perfect species and stuff. But the high evolutionary adapts Adam Warlock as his son um, and makes him like the first superhero of of his counter earth but i mean that's all the 60s silver age warlock stuff like warlock really kind of came to prominence during the jim starland era cosmic stuff when all the cosmic stories were kind of redefined back in the 70s and like i don't love that stuff i know people who fucking eat it up i think jim starland's like a really interesting guy like have you ever read um Sean Howe's, uh, the Marvel, the untold story. Have you ever read that book? No, I'm not. I'm not. It's awesome, man. It's, it's like a real true tell all about the history of Marvel comics. And it's fun because it, it gets into the publishing as much as it does, um, the actual comic book storytelling and stuff. So it's kind of this interesting, um, like perfect amalgamation of how my brain works where it's like mad men and superheroes, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) business shit and comic book shit. Um, but but when it gets to um what's his name starland it's funny because like starland was kind of known he would buy acid from a dealer in battery park and then just like walk north like Mm -hmm. tripping balls and then walk back home to the village and just think up crazy cosmic stories (laughs) um and that's where like the church of the universal truth came from and all those cool stuff but um a lot of Adam Warlock's stories is are the well that um, a lot of the major beats from the Infinity Saga uh, took from, you know, with uh, the Infinity Stones and fucking the stuff that happens on that planet with the magic waterfall and all that. You know what I mean? Like, all, and, and Drax and Gamora yeah. and all that stuff. Adam Warlock, for me, has always been a bit too powerful without like i like superman i like those kind of like op characters but like he was never really like humanized and flawed the way superman was where he just kind of showed up to save the day and leave in my opinion you know um as opposed to like a silver surfer who would be like a bomb you know what i mean like yeah yeah. i'm mainly familiar with four like through silver surfer from this gym started an error whatnot I uh, I can't really say much about Warlock other than he looks cool. Megan, <laughs> I like better, kind of. Uh, it's his evil counterpart, kind of. From the future in a different uh, universe or something, right? I, I think it's just him as a, like a separate personality of his, if memory serves. I could be mistaken on that, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he starts like space Scientology called the Universal <laughs> Church of Truth. It's cool. Like, yeah, yeah. That that all that stuff is pretty cool. But yeah, we're like is a character that looks cool to me, but I don't resonate with it at all. Really, uh, he's he's not bad or anything. It's just I don't have any feelings whatsoever. So I, I imagine he's going to be one of the things people complain about with this movie, but it doesn't bother me. 
Uh, I think uh, the guy playing him, uh, I was going to call him Calacastus, which is his Jedi Fallen Order character. I can't Isn't that a different name. actor, bro? I, it is not. It is not. That Are is, you sure? Yes, yes. Uh, you positive about that? Yes, yes. Look it up. Look it up. I, uh, I, I, I will look that up because for some reason everyone's like, oh, is that that guy from Shameless? And I'm like, no, it's a different guy. I swear to God. <laughs> I, 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 you know what I mean? And I'm pretty yeah. sure like the guy from Shameless is... Uh, they're is, all the same person. They're all the same person? Warlock uh, is the We're the Millers kid and like, this movie is 50-50 uh, him looking like a movie star, good looks and all that, and then fifty percent him looking like the weird Miller skid a little bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. just a little bit. It's the crazy fucking eyebrows. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, he's got a crazy face. He was also in um, Ari Aster's. Uh, oh, Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah, no, that was the uh, the Calcastus guy. Are you sure? You sure that's not Cameron Monaghan? I just checked, by the way. Son of a bitch it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. These are different humans. Yeah, yeah. These are different humans. Who would win in a fight? Warlock or Adam Warlock? <laughs> oh, the uh, the the new mutants. Uh, the new mutant Warlock. robot. He that's, has an yeah. evil Magus, too. No? He does. He does. He does. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I used to love Warlock back in the... Uh, the Liefeld error days. Uh, like I would o- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Um, there's a good funny bit during the Warlock fight sequence where, um, oh my God, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Um, Sean Gunn's character. Oh, Craglin. Craglin tries to use the arrow and it like just whizzes past him and he's like, who threw that stick at me? Like that yeah, 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 yeah. That shit made me cackle like pretty hard. It was cool. Um, Warlock leaves after getting stabbed by Nebula. He takes off and Rocket is fucked up. And they try and heal him with these kind of like Dusex Machina healing pack things. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. they heal broken arms and bent penises and all sorts of things, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stick one up your ass for a good time. <laughs> it's like, tells you, like, Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. They're a, you, girl, a, a panacea. Mm-hmm. You stick one in your butt, it closes your butt, and you have to poop out your mouth. Have <laughs> to get it re-pierced. Yeah, yeah. to get it re-pierced. Yeah. It's, it's the one flaw of them. Yeah. 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 Nebula's doing it to Drax all the time with her arm. Um, <laughs> turns into like a pap smear thing. Um, <laughs> so... Um, they can't operate on Rocket because it turns out he has a kill switch installed inside of him. Um, and Nebula does this really fucking cool thing where she like uses her arm to go into the computer while they're like taking his vitals and like Mm -hmm. her eyes do the cool computer thing. (laughs) Yes, we see like yellow text. Yeah. 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 Really, really dug all of that stuff. And then they're like, who would install um something well, like this into Rocket? Like, yeah, yeah. where did Rocket come from? He never talked about it. It was too painful. Blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and that kind of triggers the first of many Rocket Raccoon flashbacks that we get throughout <laughs> this film um, that kind of finally tell the origin story of Rocket. Um, and because I didn't take notes in the theater today let's just talk about all the flashbacks all at the same time because i don't remember where they pop up um, this stuff is kind of my favorite stuff in the movie though how about you uh yeah yeah this is rocket's story overall uh, the entire movie really. <laughs> but, yeah uh, yeah he's unconscious for most of it in the present day um uh, all of this stuff was fucking sad, and I've, I've seen people talk about this movie in particular being good because it's not woke and it doesn't have some sort of political agenda. I think that's insane to say because this is very uh, shining a light on uh, animal experimentation, kind of. Just where do you need to test your shampoo on bunny rabbits <laughs> and stuff like that? I'll be honest, dude. I had a chicken wing today after I saw this movie and thought, should I be eating this thing? You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. I was in the theater thinking, am I an asshole? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not a vegetarian. Yeah. 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 I, it, I don't know if James Gunn is, but. Wouldn't he, surprise me after this. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the kind of message of. James Gunn, all of his work is like, I am a broken outcast that was thrown away on the fringes of society, but I am still a person and I can still be a hero, right? Mm -hmm. That's like kind of why I think he's going to do really well with Superman. Time will tell, like as long as he doesn't turn Superman too subversive, um, <laughs> And sticks to that, that whole, like, outsider feeling, you know, of, like, yeah. um, being lost in your own skin uh, and then coming to terms with who you are um, and where you came from and all that. Uh, all of that has resonated with me a lot in these James Gunn movies. Uh, he usually applies it to family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um in this movie with Rocket, he applies it to just like, you know, conquer your past, don't run from it, embrace it, um, and kick some ass. And the Rocket origin also introduces us to the High Evolutionary, who's kind of one of the best Marvel movies, uh, villains, right? Yeah, for like the single movie villain, uh he really outdid himself. I don't care about the high evolutionary in the comics. I actively am not interested in his stories because for some reason in comic books, animal people don't interest me much, but in live action, I apparently love it. Yeah, me too. I, I don't understand it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't like Jackson, the rabbit from uh, the Star Wars Star comic? Wars yeah, no, no. I do yeah, not yeah, yeah. have the Bucky yeah. hair rip off. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, High Evolutionary is, is a gnarly bad guy, and Chuck, um, name I can't pronounce, absolutely floored me with his performance. It was killer. Like, absolutely fucking killer, man. Yeah, it, it's very over the top, but it's 
what you want from kind of a, a fucking silly one-off villain. <laughs> He's really good. He's really good. Yeah. Um, we see a young non-sentient rocket uh, known as Subject 89P13. We see him getting that shaved into his back with a razor blade uh, pretty graphically. Um, yeah, he was a straight... Think, a- mm. Do you think James Gunn held his firing over their head uh, as far as you should let me do this because you fired me and you <laughs> had to bring me back, I guess. Uh, you owe me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because kind of. A, yeah, yeah. This movie has gore, actual gore and <laughs> later on, but we'll get to it. Uh, it has actual gore here, man. Like, they yeah. show him being experimented on by the high evolutionary um, who is, like, has these hopes of artificially creating what he deems, like, perfect light forms Mm -hmm. for a perfect society and after experimenting on rocket he holds rocket like in captivity in these uh cages with other anthropomorphic animals rocket's like brain is exposed (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah his skull has been opened up and yeah yeah and inside the cage we get some like kind of gnarly tim burton looking otter uh animal things uh one of them is like an otter um talking otter named lila who is a comic book character played by the great linda cardellini i found out by the way double dipping yeah yeah and you see her as hawkeye's yeah. wife and character. Um, i thought was... she played mockingbird whatever um <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I, I forgot my mistake my mistake it's okay yeah lila mentioned uh, as an Easter egg in the first Guardians, as a known associate of Rocket Records. And I have during a the, sad, uh, mugshot scene. Uh, during the mugshot scene, and my sad theory is that when he got abducted or pulled over by authorities early on in life, mm-hmm. uh, they asked, like, who do you work with? And he's like, my friend Lila. Like, because he's got this, like, really <laughs> squeamish. Dude, this Well, maybe otter... they go on later adventures, John. Have you not considered that? We'll get to it. Um, there's a walrus uh, with like wheel um, legs. Like Professor X cosplay or something? Uh, yeah. Possibly. There's a, uh, I have like a person down the block from me with a pit bull that has no back legs and has like two wheels that uh. they walk around the neighborhood. It's crazy looking. Um, that's what it kind of reminded me of the sad dog. That, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The sad dog that my neighbors have. Uh, and then like the real scary looking one, which is a rabbit with like a Hannibal Lecter metal mask <laughs> over its face and spider legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nightmare fuel. I love how this thing looks. I have a lot of opinions on the performance. Um, I get it. I get it. so rocket's first words are hurt. And it's so sad. They're like, what's the matter? And it's just like hurts. It's like quivering with its brain, like falling out of its head. Um, Yeah, it is a total bummer. Um, Think the high evolutionary was always the plan going back to Guardians 1. Do you think Gunn was planning this out as a trilogy to that extent, I guess? I do. With the Adam Warlock... um, 
Easter egg at the end and him talking about Adam Warlock in mm-hmm. interviews around 2015, 2016 while he was making it. Um, you'd have to imagine that the high evolutionary would be tied to Adam Warlock because of all that shit during the Jim Starlin and Roy Air kind of era of Marvel, right? Yeah. How about you? I I don't know. I, I would like to think so. The uh, Adam Warlock stuff is kind of wrapped up very neatly in this film, more quickly than I expected. Uh, but it it works, and it very much fits with Rocket's character from the first one, where when we first see the uh, cybernetic augmentations or whatever is going on in his back. He's yeah. been experimented it on, ripped apart mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you like how the the um the minions who work for the high evolutionary all have like the lobot ears? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh I I didn't put that together, but yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. Like if I took my lobot head off and put it on my kingpin toy, it could like be or like my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? Speaking of that I think we forgot to mention the group turning into John Carpenter's the thing. Oh my god, we did forget to turn Adam that off. Warlock. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Groot uh, bear hugs Adam Warlock and gets shot up into space and Warlock incinerates everything but Groot's head and he turns into a little John Carpenter thing, Spider Groot, mm-hmm. and it's it's gnarly. A lot of Groot toys coming out of this one. Oh my god. Yeah. You got head Groot, you got gun Groot, you got flying Groot, you got kaiju Groot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got- obscene. It's obscene. Yeah, it's obscene. Maybe they'll make a Groot Transformer crossover that folds into all of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That'd be Pluck its head off. Yeah, that would be the move. Um, There's a great scene where Rocket is with the High Evolutionary, like, in his cool, like, throne room kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And he's, like, doing math on on, like, a chalkboard. And, like, they have this conversation about music and high evolutionary like tells him like you know you're looking out onto a planet this is where we're all going to live i call it counter earth it's going to be a perfect society with perfect beings who are all perfect blah 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 lots of like eugenic fucking fascist talk here um and also like appreciation for the arts and he's very he's smart and he's cultured the Mm -hmm. high evolutionary right this recording is 5,000 years old and it says, you know, something philosophical, like it's not the way things are. It's the way things we want things to be like, it's very on the nose and Mm -hmm. fucking fantastic. Um, And then he's like, let me show you something. Little raccoon. We do see him start taking little pieces of metal every time he leaves a room and like scuffles them into his fur. Right. Little, little hint. Well, yeah, he's just, he's just thing. And he looks like a bandit, and he also wants to escape. Also, I think it's just fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, doesn't look too much fun having to sit around do math all day and listen to some nerd talk about classical music. Um, (laughs) So, high evolutionary is like, check this out, little raccoon. Um, We have figured out a way to take lower life forms, like little stray animals like you and he takes out a little turtle and he puts it in a tank and 
go through hundreds of millions of years worth of evolution and moments to create like a higher life form. And we see this little turtle uh, turn into a ninja turtle, basically. That's um, what I was expecting. Yeah. 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 Um, do you think this was the Terrigen Mist or anything like that? That was like a thing. I It just came into my head just now. I didn't think about that. No, I don't think we're ever, well, I was going to say, I don't think we'll ever get any humans since they've, <laughs> uh, yeah. this is no point at this point with Kamala Khan not being an inhuman and mm-hmm. uh, Black Bolt living up to his potential, I guess, being exploded by the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> yeah. Pour one out for my boy, uh, Daddy Pike, Daddy Captain Pike from uh, yeah, Strange New yeah. Worlds. I like that actor. Um, But this turtle is like basically has like the rage virus right like it, yes, it's like yes. going crazy and um some good moments with rocket here where it's like we don't like that or whatever he says mm-hmm. and they're like you know it's because of this like big complex science word protein <laughs> and rocket very quickly is like it's because you have this wrong and he like points it out and mansplains raccoon explains <laughs> uh like how the high evolutionary fucked up basically and they put him back in this cage then the next night, maybe in like some sort of like drunken stupor, we see the high evolutionary like crawling to Rocket's cage. And he's like, how did you know about the science stuff? And Rocket's yeah. like, oh, because this, this and this. He's like, no, no, no. Come check this out. How did you know about this? Because it fucking worked. And we see like a monkey evolve into like a peaceful, perfect like plan the apes monkey person um and it goes through this whole thing it's like you know if man created god like if god created man then how can man exceed the creations of a god at that point right like i created you so how could you figure out something that was beyond me at this point and it like Mm -hmm. drives fucking high evolutionary fucking crazy um so now he has his perfect peaceful species to build the new society and tells rocket you were never meant for the new society tomorrow we are going to incinerate and kill all of your friends and i'm going to kill you but i'm going to take your brain to study it because it's still useful so we get rocket back in his cage with his new friends lila the otter and Teeth the Walrus and Floor the Annoying uh, Nightmare Monster uh, Rabbit. And he's like, listen, guys, change of plan. We're all going to fucking die tomorrow, and I'm going to bust you out. And you see he takes all of the things that he's been jacking, and he makes a little, like, swipe card. And he's like, I'm going to bust you out. We're going to go inside of a ship, and we're going to fly to fly away together. As he breaks out and breaks Lila out, him and Lila, the otter, embrace in a hug, and she gets shot through the fucking back. And we see our first instance of a little animal getting shot. And the high evolutionary um, essentially kills her. And he's like, I figured you would pull some shit like this. Um, Bradley Cooper kind of showing off the voice acting here with the crying. Uh, I loved this bit where 
he starts screaming in agony and the high evolutionary responds with the like, well, congratulations, you win the crying contest today. Like, and then rocket just mauls his fucking face like yes. raccoon style. It's uh, fucking incredible. And, um, some guards come in, start shooting at rocket rocket, picks up the high evolutionary's weapon, kills both of the guards and then turns around to, get the walrus and the rabbits and realizes that the guards weren't shooting at him and they killed all of his friends. So now all of his friends are dead, but he manages to escape on one of these rockets and we get the full origin of rocket raccoon. All of this is really fucking sad, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't tear up in the theater despite what you may have seen. Yeah. <laughs> I am an emotionless monster person. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um I I loved all this stuff. It's kind of my favorite stuff in the movie because I wasn't expecting the movie to be and I mean it might not sound heavy by the way I'm explaining it, but it felt heavy at the time of watching it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um and then we find out that the Guardians find or Nebula finds out that like there's proprietary information inside of Rocket linked to a place called like Orgo something? Orgo, Orgo Corp? Or something? Yeah. yeah. Nothing in the comics related to Orgo Corp. Mm -hmm. That was something I was like, oh, is this like a comic book thing? You know what I mean? Dying Rocket is a thing from the comics, though. The uh, mm -hmm. Donny Cates run, if memory serves. Uh, yep. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys, like Drax has died like three times. Yeah, of course, of course. But it's a very memorable image of uh, Rocket with the uh, the breathing mask. He looks much rougher in the comics. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And the... Um... The origin of Rocket in the comics is almost like equally as dark and like sad too. You know what I mean? Seeing them getting put together and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Guardians are like, okay, if we're gonna find out how to shut this kill switch off, we're gonna we're gonna check out Orgo Core, blah blah blah. Um, meanwhile, Adam Warlock returns to Aisha. The sole survivor of the Sovereign, correct? I didn't From Guardians that. 2? I know she's the only one we see, but I didn't know if... I didn't catch any dialogue about her being the, the final member of her, her species, I guess. Didn't they all die in Guardians 2? Didn't they blow up all of them? I thought so. Maybe I'm wrong. Um... But it's revealed that the high evolutionary who like in present day has his face like peeled back on like kind of like RoboCop style. Like it, it's a pretty. Well, they do blatantly mention RoboCop and comparing it. And that's what I compared it to fucking weeks ago when we saw the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. We find out that the high evolutionary had hired Adam Warlock and the Sovereign to capture rocket raccoon and bring him back to the high evolutionary because they knew he existed and never told him and that the sovereign was actually an invention a creation rather of 
of the high evolutionary as some sort of like aesthetic beauty experiment or something along those lines, which I thought was pretty cool. Like all that kind of makes sense to me in terms of like where guns version of these characters, um, has kind of gone. Um, and we get some good sequences here with like Adam Warlock is a fucking dumbass. Like, he's 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 a dummy right and the excuse for it much like the beginning of the comics when it was just him it's because he was pulled from his cocoon too early right Mm -hmm. um so we know now the high evolutionary has hired adam warlock and the sovereign threatening their lives if they don't get back rocket raccoon while high evolutionary is also going to get rocket back himself and the guardians are on their way to the orgosphere which is like this medical outpost where they plan to get the information that they need to go shut down the kill switch so they can do whatever necessary medical treatments on rockets um so he does not die um the place is a you mentioned like living david cronenberg nightmare it's, yes yes yeah it's like a spaceport that's not made it's like grown from Mm -hmm. biological material it's really interesting this is the shit that i think gun does that's really interesting that's very in line with jack kirby steve dicko jim starlin you know what i mean like that cosmic weirdness that you and i kind of always dug about marvel cosmic was like it's very far out and borderline like LSD induced, like influenced. Right. Um, and in order to get inside, we find out, uh, Nebula mentions, like, I know someone who can help us get in. Right. Mm -hmm. So as they break into, I should mention as they're breaking into this fucking thing, Peter Quill is going on some fucking tirade about how it's his fault because he was drunk and he's talking with Mantis this whole time Drax is being awesome and he's eating those little like corn nuts and yeah, the Zarg nuts. Yes. The Zarg nuts. Yeah. Um, and every time he's like, I I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this to save my best friend and Drax with the like second best friend, that stuff <laughs> all worked for me. All that humor worked for Him me. Him saying he used to break the out to Mantis of the, the Zarg nuts and then immediately fucking shoving another one in his mouth. Yeah. 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 All that works for me. Yes, very relatable. I don't share my spicy Cheetos or salt and vinegar chips with anyone but me. Um, I get it. Um, they this, get boarded by the Ravengers. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Is this where we run back into the Sticker? Sylvester uh, Stallone and his crew. Space Stallone, baby. We see Space yeah. Stallone floating in space saying, pull over, basically. Yes, yes. Uh, we see uh, the red lizard wizard uh, using wizard stuff uh, to uh, portal the ravagers on board. Is that what that guy is? I, I like never knew what his name was. I, I know. I have no idea what his name is. I, I looked it up at one point, but I'm not retaining that information. I, I just know he yeah. is a sorcerer, though. Some of these guardians, though, are like part of the original guardians crew from like the silver age guardians lineup right like sakari yes. yondu all these guys right who are like 
actually Marvel heroes from like 3000 years in the future. Right. Isn't that what the original Guardians lineup was? Yes, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Um, And it is here that we find out a time shifted version of Gamora has been working with as a Ravenger, basically the entire time. So um, Quill obviously is kind of hopeless in this situation. It's kind of irritating, right? Like, yeah, it's one of the, I've talked about them reiterating that it's not the same version of Gamora a few times. Uh, this is one of the things in the movie that didn't work for me as well, because I understood that this was not... <laughs> so him pining after and having to have it explained to him and him explaining it to others, it it was more tedious than entertaining. Uh, you get some good bits out of it. Like, there is, yes. like, a little bit um, where it's like, why wouldn't you tell me? You know, we were going to meet Gamora and Nebula being like, because you would be freaked out. The freaked out how? It's like exactly like that. Like, yeah, that well, stuff works very well for me. Also, we get a uh, more badass version of Gamora. That kind of works out for me, too. Where there's this mm-hmm. woman in the galaxy. Uh, yeah, real badass that's version. That's we'll see. Yes, yes. By family and all this stuff that makes you soft. Um, yes, yes. Uh, Zoe Saldana, bad as fuck too gotta say love mm-hmm. this lady looks great in different uh skin tones uh blue green you know yeah, big yeah. fan big fan always looking good uh like the red hair quite a bit honor um kind of scrappier red hair as well in this like it's a little dirtier um good bit with drax as uh space stallone is saying like put on these uniforms and drax not wanting to because it doesn't clashes with his eyes or something. Yeah. Or his skin tone or something along those lines. I really dug all that. Um, Yeah. So the plan is to use these uniforms to break into the Omni sphere, go undercover and track down the records for rocket raccoon based on the code that they see repeated that eight, nine P one three, like his, his call sign basically as an experiment. Um, this is where we get the space hog scene, a song I really like in the meantime. Um, and what I think is kind of clearly an homage to 2001 space odyssey with the suits, right? I, uh, I suppose so. I suppose so. I think you, uh, mentioned that, uh, I know a lot of people were thinking about the mobile game. Um, fuck if I can remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, two thousand one yeah, Space Odyssey. Yeah, it was I nice. know the one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, the mobile game, two thousand one the Space Odyssey. Also yep. a Marvel comic. Uh, also a Marvel comic written and drawn by Jack Kirby, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I want to say there's some random fucking Marvel character that shows up in it too. I, I wish I could remember. I may be mixing it up with Logan's Run though. I think you might be mixing it up with Logan's Run. I've read that Jack Kirby 2001. It's pretty fun. Um, it's it's more action packed than the film is. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm I trying to think of like an entire issue on just like a landing sequence or anything. No, yeah, it's just a an issue on a landing sequence. An issue of closer each time. It's all splash pages. 
all splash pages of different color lights for 32 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Instructions yeah. on what to be listening to while you read. <laughs> yep. And then uh, about 23 pages of just a guy getting old sitting in uh, a, a room. <laughs> I love reading. that. Yeah. I love that movie. I'll never forget when you gave that movie four stars. And, and <laughs> I gave shit. it five. I'll have you know. Oh, you did? You changed yeah. it? No, no. I, yeah. it, was, it was at five. Okay. I thought for some reason you gave it like four and a half. And I was like, what was uh, imperfect about this perfect movie? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it was four and a half. It was four and a half. Yeah, yeah. What's the movie that you gave five stars then? Oh, lots of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yes, yes. Uh, yep. Five stars. Five, five and a half, stars. as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five and a half Star Lords out of six or whatever our old rating system used to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the landing on the skin stuff. Like, uh, I don't know if you noticed Mantis in the orange suit, just kind of like bouncing around. Like she couldn't. I do. She's constantly doing something where gravity is not an obstacle for. Uh, it's I very funny. At one point, yeah, I don't know if it's here or later, but yeah, it's very funny. Um, and when they land on the planet, like. Quill uses like this color coded communicator on the wrist to like do a one on one with Gamora and tell him how much he loves her and how she should give him a chance. She actually calls him like Quinn. It's all very embarrassing. And then we find out it was like open lines. I got a good laugh out of all this where it's like, no, red is yellow, yellow is green, green is blue, and blah, blah. Like, I yeah. thought all that was pretty funny. And then being like, how does that make any sense? And Drax finds it highly logical. I thought all that was great. Mm-hmm. And on top of another funny bit, when they get sucked inside the the um, organic space station drax is too fat to fit through and they have to like pull him i i got a cackle out of that i thought you were going to talk about uh the bit where star lord talks his way uh past the guards were explaining that uh fucking drax is an idiot or whatever to uh nathan Nathan fillion yeah yeah. Yeah. i got a cackle out of that too man um Mm -hmm. Not so much from Star-Lord, but more from Mantis saying bro. Like, oh, really, bro? <laughs> like, all that made me laugh. And um, Drax being like, oh, we're angry now? I could be angry, too. Like, all of that yeah. was great. All that was great. Nathan Fillion, to a guy who um, a lot of people in the, like, nerdy comic book and Comic-Con franchise culture, I cringed at myself for saying all those words at the same time. Um, are like huge fans of, you know what I mean? Um, I'm always rooting for Nathan Fillion. I uh, don't was almost Wonder Man at one point. Would have been a good Wonder Man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it went to a better actor. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. With a much more fun name to pronounce, right? Yaya Abdul Mati. Much, yeah, yeah, much more much fun. fun. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait till we do a Wonderman show and I get to say Yaya Abdul Mati the same way we did a Loki show and I got to say Google Mabatura a whole bunch of times while we were doing that show. Um, uh, but but Fillion's one of those guys who I, I think I was telling you before we started recording, um, kind of feels like what like Bruce Campbell is for me, where 
I'm like always rooting for Bruce Campbell and I'm really happy when he shows up in things. And mm -hmm. I think he's really handsome, but he kind of looks like how a caricature artist at a fair or a carnival would draw a handsome person. Right. Yes. Um, yes. He's got like overly distinguished features and things along those lines. Um, but, but I had fun uh, watching them pop up and I really liked how their suits looked like they were stuffed with a bunch of like French baguettes kind of right. Um, they were like they these were real puppies. Were they supposed to be those little, um, you know, like those, like, those, like, like microscopic manatee things? Yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. We saw them in uh, one of the Ant-Man movies. I can't recall what they're called now, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. They kind of felt like maybe that's what they were trying to impersonate or, or kind of look like. Um, I also like all the technology inside of this organic uh, station, like the <laughs> the security lady is like, hold on, let me check the eye. And you think she's just talking about the camera system. But then you see like the camera systems are actual <laughs> like eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought all that was pretty fucking cool. Um, and uh they accidentally throw their space suits through like a trash dumpster and they end up being stuck in there. So they separate Drax and uh, Mantis go to look for the spaceport so they can tell Groot where to rescue them while Nebula and Star-Lord and Gamora go to find like the records bay so they can find anything on whatever 89PO3 is so they can get this passcode to um to help out Rocket. Um small thing that happens during the meantime is um Star-Lord bumps into the fat Lobot guy uh who's working with the high evolutionary. Just like a little thing that like kind of matters like a little Wait. bit later. Surely that's not Pete Davidson, right? The fat Lobot guy? Yeah, is he like you know is that Pete Davidson in a fat suit? I hope that's Pete Davidson in a fat suit. That would be pretty fun. Um Pete Davidson was one of these guys, right? Yeah, yeah, and I don't know which one it would have been. That's the only reason I asked. <laughs> was it the fat guy with the eyebrows who Mantis makes falling in love with Drax. It couldn't be that guy, right? That, well, I mean, they're both bigger than you would think Pete Davidson is. They're both like. husky gentlemen. They're both yeah. husky. They wear husky jeans. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> husky bugle boys. Um, so I like the bit where Star-Lord you know, the, the girl working behind the records booth is like a cute, like very Star Trekky outfit, yellow mm -hmm. girl, like all that stuff with Star-Lord, like him banging blue chicks always reminded me very Captain Kirky. Um, do you know who that actress was? The orange no, lady? No, you're not. That was Ratcatcher too. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, that was, I, I like her a lot. Um, she's going to be in fast 10, in two weeks also, which I'm excited nice. about. Yeah. Blow up. You know what I mean? Good for her. You know, um, I really liked her in the suicide squad. Um, hopefully we see her again. Hopefully. 
Gamora is fucking ruthless. I like all that. <laughs> like, I will blow your fucking brains off stuff is, is pretty good. Yeah, and, she murders a few guards during this, maims a few others if memory serves. Uh, yeah, yeah. After, I do you like the gloopy record bay? I thought that was cool. I don't recall it right, right at the moment. Uh, it's like a big, like, wall of, like, almost like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it. it uh, it looks like mechanical somewhat, but it, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Really. I don't know how to describe it either, but it like kind of like plops out like little orbs yes. of like records. Like I thought all that was like pretty just neat looking stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd imagine that wasn't practical, but I'm thinking like all the hallways and stuff here were practical. I know the, the, the big white room where Drax and, and Mantis are was like an actual set. And like, mm -hmm. you could tell, you know what I mean? The spatial geography and the fight scenes made sense and it looked good and the lighting worked and there were shadows and cameras hitting physical objects. Imagine that look good. Um, yeah. They, this fight sequence is cool. They accidentally fucking get caught. And, um, Nebula, Gamora, and Star-Lord have, like, a standoff holding the orange rat catcher chick hostage. Um, you know when she's like, if you don't let us through, I'm going to shoot this guy who looks like a carrot first. You yeah. know that bit? Yeah. yeah. Um, real dumb story. I think it was, like, a 90s uh, Guardians comic. Maybe a Groot book or an incredible whole thing they go to a planet of carrot people and all the people on the planet say i am root instead of i am groot um yeah i was hoping we would get an i am root and i would have been the only person in the theater who would have known what the fuck was going on but we did not um and i liked how mantis is given some agency and can like hold their own in fight scenes yeah yeah that's a, a carryover from the uh, holiday special where they had clearly bought her some uh, as far as action capability which is good yeah, and, because it's better than just having her do telekinesis just emotion manipulation stuff rather. Yeah, yeah, the empath touching stuff. Because she, yeah. she mixes like karate with that. Like she, mm -hmm. you know, does like a flip kick and then says like, you're a cat and you're a dancer. And like yeah, yeah. jumps on the back of one and says like violent rage. And it just fucking guns all these people down. And we get like um, a one-on-one -on -one sequence where Nathan Fillion is shooting Drax in like slow motion. And it's kind of a fake out for is Drax dead right like <laughs> yeah, it's like dramatic yeah. music right yeah the uh, the first of the, the duck teases perhaps yeah um Groot other comes in though and, guess, yeah. other than Rocket yeah other than, and Quill in the, the arms from the trailer shot too you know what oh, I mean there's like, a lot yeah, of yeah. foreshadowing and shit like that um Groot does end up crashing in and saving the day. The first of many did that look cool fucking sequences, which is pretty cool. Um, and they get back onto the ship and open up the orb and they all kind of like see about rockets past through this thing. It like does a help me. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi or my only hope kind of like, <laughs> uh, like hologram thing where they're, they're watching rocket get like tortured and, Nebula's oh, got a yeah. line how it's more painful than anything that Thanos did to her and stuff like that. Um, but the information that they require is missing and was recently deleted, 
right? Yeah. Um, is this the part where they talk about the Animen? Where they talk about some of uh, Herbert Wyndham's previous uh, creations, I guess. Uh, they, they might have here. Did they do yeah. it here or did they do it in the... Um, in the like display when they're in Orgosphere. I forget. I'm not sure, but yeah, either way, I wasn't expecting the anime to get mentioned at all. They're uh, not important characters, but I. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, later on, I was kind of hoping they'd be uh, Counter Earth Avengers or something. Yeah, nor are like the Knights of Wondergore, but like we've gotten yeah. them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, they do have a bunch of information on the fat Lobot guy though. Right. And they realize maybe the fat Lobot guy is hiding the kill switch code in his Lobot head thing. Right. <laughs> like his, his, uh, his little thing, he's storing it in his little memory disc. So they, program whatever to go find the high evolutionary that's who they're they're off to find right now mm -hmm. um we get some backstory on the high evolutionary here like gamora is like do not fuck with this guy people think he's a fucking god he is a big bad guy you are walking into a trap at this point you know but a confrontation yes yes I can't, well what do they say uh a trap isn't a trap if you know the trap's a trap it's a face-off they say that's that it. like that's a couple it. times yeah 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 and then he says i want to take your face off <laughs> um <laughs> they should have said that at the end when his face gets taken off uh oh my god imagine they take his face off and it's uh nicholas cage underneath that would have been quite a surprise yeah that would have been quite, or Drax puts it on and dances around <laughs> <laughs> to, to you know, the James Gunn's loves his needle drops. He does uh goodbye horses or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so the guardians head to the high evolutionaries location counter earth, uh, despite Gamora's warnings of, it being a trap um in the meantime though aisha and adam uh, are able to capture one of the ravengers who helped out gamora um along with his pet blurp um uh, by with the assistance of nathan fillion we get a little bit more nathan fillion here um and they like want adam to interrogate this guy to give up the location of where gamora is going and adam just like fucking incinerates him and yeah i remember sir he thinks the pet is another person that can be interrogated yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> my friend gabby who i saw shout out to gabby uh friend of the pod she uh we saw this movie last night and she texted me today she's like what was the name of the the fuzzy thing that looked like a dinosaur chicken nugget that was her uh <laughs> comments about blurb <laughs> it's accurate it's accurate yeah, it's very accurate um again fully cgi creature that looked pretty good here mm -hmm. um i like all the stuff where warlock uh sees it acting sad and it, him not liking how it feels like i don't like how it's making me feel like i like all this stuff without a yeah. warlock i like his relationship with blurp and wanting to take it in as a pet um and i also like uh the skeleton that this thing like oh yeah it, it turns into it's pretty gnarly 
it's silly gnarly it's like sam raimi army of darkness silly where like it's burning up and then like its arm falls off and shit it's (laughs) funny um gamora calls into this thing saying like hey i need you to come pick me up thinking that's the ravengers absolutely love the way eliza dubnicki or whatever that actress is who plays uh aisha of the sovereign picks it up and she's like yes hello gamora salutations like the uh that shit made me made me cackle it was very funny um counter earth is fucking cool dude i agree i liked it they barely explained why he wants it to look like normal earth or any of that is i visited there once and yeah yeah I thought it looked cool. Do they have the same continents? I have no idea. Um, I like the Statue of Liberty being like high evolutionary, holding like a little happy monkey. That made me laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that there was a panda bear mowing the lawn. This is all Uh, very, very silly shit. And I liked this a lot. Uh, Yeah, I liked all this quite a bit. I liked the rabbit people speaking the gibberish language who take the guardians in after he helps her scrape his knee. I think um, they're uh, bats. They're bat people? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Ears they're man bats? And their nose are uh, a bit weirder. Yeah, I, I thought they were like jackrabbits or something. It was very confusing to me. Um, the bit where Drax is trying to fucking sleep on the couch was funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the bit where in the middle of everyone yelling at each other, Nebula just being like, that is delightful with the, the blue drink. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked all this a bit. Um, Star-Lord draws a picture of Lobot and they tell him that this guy is at this pyramid they like point out the window and there's like a giant pyramid sticking out of the ground it's very convenient uh placement for this giant pyramid to be within uh viewable distance of these bat people possible jackrabbits people maybe jabberwocky people um their their living room window uh and they decide to take their family car to go um to go visit uh the Lobot guy in the pyramid. Um, this is where we get the first F-bomb, right? And it's a gag where Nebula can't open the door of a of a minivan, right? A station wagon, but yes. Yeah. Station wagon. Yeah, yeah, station wagon. It was a funny bit, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter not knowing how to drive was a funny bit, too. Um, so, was, yeah, Drax and Mantis stay at the Bat People house while Gamora, Groot, and Peter take the family station wagon to go to the uh, Purple Pyramid. And Gamora is parked in the Bowie spaceship, which conveniently didn't land on anybody's home. Um, (laughs) uh, She is chilling in the spaceship, listening to Alice Cooper and like uh, looking at all the guardian stuff and, starting to her heart starts to grow three sizes that day right indeed indeed uh yeah um i guess on the way to 
the purple pyramid um in the station wagon they start to see that counter earth isn't as picture perfect as they believe <laughs> they pass octopus people buying meth from a cockroach or something right yeah i think the octopus guy was selling it that looks yes. like the, the transaction order to me he was selling to three uh cockroach children i think <clears throat> and then some guys getting like beaten the, the bat this part reminded me of hobo with a shotgun there's a a bum fight-esque sequence. Where he's just getting, like, beaten down with, like, a two-by-four in, like, an yes. alley. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty gnarly, man. Um, not the picture-perfect uh, substitute. Yeah. yeah, that 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 I think our, our friend, the High Evolutionary, thought it was going to be. Um, so, when they get to the purple pyramid they're greeted by one of the mvps of the movie for me uh bebop and rocksteady uh, yes yes <laughs> optimus in prime as, yeah, uh, in cosplay as transformers yeah yeah some type of bird thing and a pig pet guy yeah um and they rule they don't let gamora in because she's like a living weapon um there is like a little bit by the way where like star lord gives groot like a bag of guns and it's like you know what to do with these and yeah. we don't see what happens so i was kind of like how'd they let groot in with all these guns and i guess his tree he bark is deep in within his orifices yes he shoved them up his groot holes wherever those may be uh, yeah. um yeah so they it, end it makes me think of the moon nights from aquafine hunger forest and them yeah wanting yeah meat while just stuff an entire stack of fucking dvds within his body uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah 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 i know exactly what you're talking about that's awesome um drax uh doesn't listen to anything um clotheslines a dude on a motorcycle pretty funny yes yes right. <laughs> pretty funny um and steals a motorcycle and takes mantis to go help out fucking uh what's his name um peter and and groot um peter and groot what do you think of the fight sequence when is they this, steal lobot is this where we get gunslinger uh groot? this is where we get gunslinger groot yeah the gunslinger groot action figure yes 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 i uh quite like that bit uh it's called back to uh the First Guardians movie, kind of the back-to-back. -back, uh, it's a similar, like, spinning cam uh, with Rocket and Groot, but this time it's Peter. Um, yeah. Uh, you see Groot, like, use his bark as, like, a shield, which is pretty tight, too. Yeah, yeah I quite like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I quite liked them just jumping out of this fucking building and getting to see wingsuit Groot uh, pick them up. <laughs> I thought all that was pretty cool. Um, we also find out that the High Evolutionary has no plans on keeping Counter-Earth the way it is. It was like a failed experiment. So as they're jumping out of the Purple Pyramid, um, the planet explodes and he commits massive genocide on a global scale against all of these animal people. The poor panda guy yeah, gets blown yeah. up. He's he's destroying things for sure. I don't know if it blew up the entire planet or if it's just a bombing run. Yeah. 
I think it was like coming from inside of the earth. Like it was like a fail safe or something like that. Oh, it was like, like blowing up underneath everything. Oh, it could be. Could be. Yeah. I, uh, I'm only saying it once. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the Purple Pyramid is a spaceship and Gamora, uh, not Gamora, Nebula and Mantis and Drax think that Peter and Groot are on there. So they jump onto the spaceship. And back at the Bowie where Rocket and Gamora are, Adam Warlock comes in to steal it, um, has a cool fight scene with the Bebop of the bunch, the the pig monster, rips its fucking head off. Pretty neat way to go. Um, And then Warlock realizes as the planet's exploding, his mom's on the planet and witnesses the destruction of an entire civilization and the death of his mother. So now he's orphaned. Um, and knocked unconscious on the Guardian ship. Um, Gamora does get to pick up Groot and Peter, who have survived the fall thanks to the winged action figure Groot. Um, (laughs) They drag fat Lobot across the ground and then take out a scalpel, and I thought that was going to be much more nasty than it ended up being. Like, because this movie... They threw it underwater, I think, to hide... (laughs) Some of it. Uh. Yeah, because this thing is like it's the Lobot ear thing, and the way Peter takes the scalpel out of his pocket, like the Exacto knife. This movie hasn't shied away from violence necessarily up until this point, and I was like, "You got to be kidding!" I mean, they just beheaded a pig person. It's pretty fucking gnarly. The, uh, yeah, it yeah. is quite gnarly. Um, Gamora does get them into the Bowie and they save rocket, right? They use the, uh, the Lobot thing to get the necessary information for the passcode to the kill switch. And we get a nice little like rocket going into the lights and seeing Layla. Uh, and yeah, yeah. 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 I like that bit. Yeah. They're all in heaven going on adventures on a, on a rocket and, they tell him he can go too, but not, not yet. yet. Oh. Not yet. Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> not like this. Um, no, I liked. Yeah. I like. I definitely uh, teared up a little bit at this scene, even though I don't know these these animal creatures that well. They've only been in this movie, so it's yeah. I teared up a little bit, even though it's a talking otter and a yeah. raccoon. It's yeah, yeah. crazy. I, my theater keeps it pretty chilly. I had my hoodie on. I was kind of glad that no one. <laughs> yeah. The tear freezes. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I waited yeah. a bit to wipe it. And so that people would think, oh, no, I've just got something in my eye. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, no, this, this got me as well. And, you know, I've seen it with people and they said the same shit. They're like, yeah, I teared up at some of these scenes, even like, you know, Chris Pratt trying to revive Rocket. You know what yeah. I mean? Like all that like works. And again, this is an anthropomorphic <laughs> raccoon that James Gunn has somehow made us give a fuck about. It's pretty incredible. Um they had the Drax Mantis Nebula stuff. Like they're on oh. the flying purple pyramid, right? Is this where uh, Mantis says some very hurtful things to Drax? 
This is where Mantis says some pretty hurtful things to Drax and calls him a stupid baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, genuinely says she thinks he's stupid and then makes him forget. I didn't like this particular segment. Uh, it felt mean, kind of, like more than it should have. Uh, along with uh, like the old viral story about uh, an autistic person relating with Drax in the first movie and feeling like they had representation and in this movie you're not special, you're stupid. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just like making him forget afterwards, that doesn't really help matters. And it just makes me think maybe James Gunn has just a different view of that whole thing than the fan view, or uh, yeah, I don't know. Or you maybe me the wrong way a little bit. Uh, maybe sometimes when we're in stressful situations and people we love disappoint us, we say things that we don't mean. Maybe that's what I it was. Don't feel like that's what she was doing. I, yeah, <laughs> because she's like, "Do you really think I'm stupid?" And yes, I, I think you are stupid. But yeah, I, I forgot love about you anyway, that. even though you were stupid. Yes, I love Granted, you, but you're a big stupid dummy. Yeah, yeah, he's said horrible things to her, but it's kind of different. He doesn't know quite what he's doing mm -hmm. because he's stupid. Because <laughs> he's a dummy. Yeah, um, I'm a hypocrite now. <laughs> they um, discover a bunch of children in cages. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. This is the uh, the sequel bait, maybe. I guess this is pretty dark, man. Child it slavery? Is. It is. Well, they're alien children, so they only count half as much. But they are being experimented on, and if we know anything about what this guy has done to Rocket, we can only imagine what he's done to higher life forms, like, mm -hmm. with sentience. You know what I'm saying? It's fucked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on rewatch, knowing that one of these kids is by the bell, did you recognize that it was going to be Not at all. They... they how do you pronounce this character's name? It's one of those things like I've, I've read comics with this character. I've seen it a million times. I own a trading card. Like, and I, I just don't, don't know how to say that word. It's I don't Bila? think I can. I don't think I can provide clarity because I don't think they say your name in this. But right, <laughs> I think they say it in one of the post credit scene, and I'm just like, oh fuck, I missed oh, it okay. again. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think it's Phyla. I don't know if Bell is her last name. It uh, is because she's a. Uh, Descendant. She's like the sister of Jen L. It's Captain Marvel's mm -hmm. daughter. Uh, yes, Captain Marvel's daughter. But this version is not Captain Marvel's daughter. So I don't know if they're keeping that. In the credits, she just listed as Pyla. Yes. And yes. I kind of assume they're going to make her a combination of Moon Dragon and Pyla Bell. A, uh, a couple in the comics, and then Moon Dragon is Drax's daughter in the comics. This one's kind of a surrogate thing where he's responsible for them. Being he's good with the kids. I yeah. love this stuff. I love yeah. this stuff so much. Maybe this will cause I, him to stick around for the next movie. Maybe. But like Nebula trying to like get the kids to do what she wants and just screaming at them. And then yeah, <laughs> yeah, drives, yeah. they're like, hello, stupid morons. Like, you know, the monkey noise bit. Like, I liked all this a lot, man. I like the, all yeah, this the monkey a lot. There. I don't recall. No, <laughs> it looks more like a robot, but yes, yes, it is the monkey. Apparently, I like the monkey bit quite a bit. 
Um, they realize that Nebula's communicator's on. So Quill, Gamora, and Rocket. Um, oh my god, this this bit got me too, where Quill like pages Nebula and is like, Where are you? She's like, I'm trying to rescue you. He's like, I'm not on the ship. I'm here with Gamora. And then they hear Rocket talking and Mm-hmm. them all realizing rocket is alive that bit got me pretty good in the uh the emotions yeah yeah mm-hmm. and mantis is little like rocket we love you and we are happy you're okay i liked all that <laughs> quite a bit yeah 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 so their game plan is to get the guys from nowhere which apparently can fly like a spaceship they strap some boosters on it okay that's how it works yeah 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 Yeah. i don't think they said that but that's what it looks like to me okay so get craglin to pilot nowhere and blast a giant hole in the side of the purple pyramid in space and then get inside of it with the Bowie rescue Nebula Mantis and Drax and all the kids and then use Cosmo, the space dogs telekinesis to form like a gap, like a, like a bond Mm -hmm. between the ships so they can jump from the purple pyramid into nowhere and then get out of there. Right. Yes, that's my understanding of it. I like all of this. I like this final act is mainly about rescuing people. Later on, whenever they come across the final villain, it's incidental. That's not what they're there for. Uh, A lot I, of it is about rescuing the kids and the life forms. Higher they do and just, lower. And higher and lower. That's where yes. the bulk stuff comes in, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um you did mention how it is incidental how they just run into the villain at the end. Yeah. But we have to talk about how there is one very particular fight sequence where they do intentionally go after a bunch of bad guys. And it is a little like star Warsy, like why George Lucas add 10 more stormtroopers to this scene, right? There's very convenient that all of these, Various kinds of bad guys ended up in one hallway at the same time while they played a Beastie Boys song. Mm-hmm. This fucking hallway fight sequence kicks a major ass, dude. Yeah, this is uh, the best action sequence of uh, the last two phases so far, I think. Uh, right? Like any Marvel movie maybe since Age of Ultron? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Infinity War, I like the action on, uh, in general. Wakanda? Well, I was going to say on, uh, Titan. Uh, the Doctor Strange versus Thanos wizard stuff really works yes. for me. Uh, but yeah, this was very well choreographed. Uh, very long. Uh, slow-mo used right. A lot of stuff to catch on repeat viewings, which I think you should have with a movie that costs as much and give people a reason to rewatch the fucking thing. Uh, Definitely like um, digital trickery to make it look like a one take. And 
again, like isolating yourself to a hallway is kind of the classic move to make something we complain about a lot in uh, modern blockbuster action sequences, which is like, where the fuck is all of this <laughs> happening? Like, in, I don't understand this. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, we never understand. Like, I think the one that really drove us crazy was like the Book of Boba Fett and that final sequence um, on Tatooine where like Boba Fett's above them and then they're below them. And I'm just like, where is everything in relation to everything else? Like, none of it makes sense and none of it feels mapped out. It's just kind of like cool CGI thing moving to the next cool CGI thing, isolating everything to a corridor or a hallway is a really clever way to just really simple way rather not even clever it's like so stupid simple like you know Why don't isolate your more often yes yeah 100 percent. and good action films have a tendency to do it more often the john wick movies with the nightclub um old boy the famous one with the hallway uh daredevil with the hallway the raid with every single floor in the building <laughs> yeah. um um but uh you know even the raid pretty much yeah yeah the beginning to the end of the movie the raid yes um Uh, and the raid redemption um but it is so fun and kinetic and fast paced and non-stop it's about two minutes of just flash pages coming to life and it's so cool it makes me think of uh age of ultron the uh the bit where they're protecting the vibranium whatever the fuck yeah like the core of the the city yeah 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 Yeah, Uh, the the age of ultron trailer shot like where it does the circle yeah yeah it's that it's that yeah but that sequence is amazing when the camera's just going in that circle Mm -hmm. and all the ultron sentries are coming at them and it's just i know the space that this is contained to because you've established that in the opening shot and now the camera is moving within that space and I'm watching the characters move. So I understand how all of this is going. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes back to stuff that we were talking about at the top of the episode where it's like Marvel has that tendency to hire young indie directors who are very good at doing the character stuff. But then when it comes to this, they have That's no experience a, in it. studio. That's- <laughs> handling that i suspect yeah yeah it's a vfx studio it's a committee like the end of the first black panther movie where it's a bunch of nonsense and what's different visually than everything else in the film or the end of ant-man and the wasp quantumania with whatever the fuck was happening with the kaiju ant-man oh yeah yeah and then like actual ants coming in like it was just like nonsense stuff happening you know what i mean mm-hmm. um or the end of black adam remember that there were zombies i i don't remember zombies but there I, were zombies at the end in like an egyptian city like the dead were rising and like a literal devil man was like I you remember don't remember the that? devil man yes yes yeah uh, yeah and then like uh, skateboard kid like had the uh, citizens of that condor fucking rise up remember and fight the zombies i remember the rising up i don't remember what <laughs> rising up against or any of that uh it was the putty patrol they were fighting the putty patrol but that's um that's yeah, yeah that's fair the putty patrol um, deserves it. Uh, yeah. i mean some of these splash pages 
uh, that you're talking about are fucking tight. Like Groot extending his fucking arm and Rocket just running down it and then doing like the slow-mo in the air. Um, Nebula gets her arms and legs and neck broken and snaps back together. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. And we saw it in the first uh, Guardians, but it was much more brutal here, kind of. And I, uh, I loved all this. This is the action stuff that makes these movies worthwhile for the action. Uh, like the characters are what we get gets in the door and everything like that. And, uh, what we grow to love. But this is, when done right, it adds so much. And this was done right. This is what makes it a blockbuster. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a good kind of reference to like why and how well James Gunn handles this stuff is uh, the Harley Quinn scene in the suicide squad where she like escapes from the chains and all the flower stuff. Remember that? I do. do. It's just like her going through the building. It kind of reminded me of that where it's like, God, this guy does this like so flawlessly. Mm -hmm. Like he is just, it's, it feels like it's coming from, someone who wants it to look cool rather than just look effective right yeah yeah i uh, like shang chi i enjoy a lot of the action in that movie but the final action that piece in that movie kind of just falls apart with generic cgi nonsense going on yeah the best yeah. parts in that final action bit are the parts where they like stop fighting and start like talking to each other, like mm-hmm. this stuff with Tony Lowe and Simu Liu, like yeah. kind of tossing the rings back and forth and having like a conversation. Um, where there's character stuff thrown into the mix there. Yeah. Um, I think the Russo brothers are okay at this stuff where like winter soldiers action kind of like blew me away. Yeah. This, that has some fantastic action. Sure. Yeah. I, I think they kind of got bogged down in the bullshit. Uh, or maybe they just had a lot on their, their plate. Races after this, I'm talking about the airport scene in fucking Civil War. I'm talking I do, about... I, I, uh, I, do, I, I do. I think it's okay. I, 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 I think it's you a lot. You don't like superheroes punching each other, though. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of it. And, um, and it's just like, it's just look how much we can do all at mm-hmm. once, kind of as opposed to just doing what you need to do effectively and giving it purpose and giving it weight and making it feel effective. Um, as opposed to just like, you know, you know, I want to make love. I just, I don't want to just spit on it, get it in and be on my way. You know what I mean? I understand. I understand. There yeah, was weight to yeah. that fight though. I mean, they paralyzed Rhodey and then he was yeah. okay. Yeah. My, emotional connection to a character made me feel weight after an action sequence that I just thought was happening, making a lot of noises happened. You know what I mean? Like I I get it. Um, Gamora using her sword is cool too. She cuts a dude in half and it rules. That's like the final shot. I think Uh, I don't recall right off in. Yeah. That's like the final shot is Gamora with a sword, just chopping a dude in half and you see the body get bisected. And okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I like Gamora being a violent, nasty, crazy person. (laughs) Yeah. She's allowed to be a violent, nasty, crazy person in this movie. And it fucking rules. Um, I also like this rescue scene where it's just 
fucking debris kind of falling, like the kind of nonsense CGI stuff, and there's mm-hmm. lots of flames. Uh, them going out of their way to be like, you, you, and you, get the children from here. You, you, and you, go steer the ship. You know, you go find Cosmo. Like, all that stuff worked really well. Everyone having their little side missions and their team-ups. Um, another kind of, oh my God, someone's going to die moment. Uh, Nebula and Rocket go to steer the ship and when they get to the flight deck um mm-hmm. it had been destroyed because like the high evolutionaries people like were raging out against them because they're like you are losing your mind over this fucking raccoon and they have like this mutiny and he just blows them all up like we're not mentioning it a lot because we're kind of going on a little long but like the high evolutionary is freaking the fuck out throughout all this and it's epic like it's very cool yeah. um but nebula being like i can do it with my arm you go help the others and rocket being like, take my calm. I'll be okay. And you're like, fuck rocket's going to die or fuck nebula is going to, you know what I mean? Nebula was going to die for a second. I was hoping not because it's my favorite guardian and I think it's my, they can do. Yeah. I I think nebula is my favorite Marvel character in the movies. Oh yeah. In general. Yeah. Just like in general, I think (laughs) she's my favorite MCU character at this point. Um, Rocket is helping the kids escape and as he's helping the kids escape and get onto nowhere he sees a room filled with animals and finds a cage filled with baby raccoons yeah yeah and opens up the gate and you see all the scientific names for them and we he gets his closure where he's like oh my god I am a raccoon right mm-hmm. um and to open the cage by the way he uses the chip that he yeah. had built uh, all i assume it's his old cells kind of uh yeah um this was so cute man <laughs> you know what i mean like it's so stupid that this works so well emotionally because again this talking space raccoon but so good so good him rusting all the extremely adorable uh, baby raccoons letting him them crawl onto him to get out uh mm-hmm. and then he's attacked <laughs> then he is attacked by an obsessed high evolutionary um who's calling him like you know all the fucking eugenic fascist gobbledygook he's been spouting the whole movie like mm-hmm. a worthless clump of cells with no blah 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 and then he's like you're nothing other than a number. And he uses his gravity boots to say like, no, I'm rocket to raccoon or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he says, um, the thing. he says the thing. He says the thing. He finally says the thing. Um, and then he blasts them in the fucking face with his gun. And then star Lord comes out and blasts him in the back and Drax comes out and stabs him And, Every guardian gets their cool pop shot on the high evolutionary before Gamora just pretty much guts him in the tummy with her sword. And as he lays dying, she peels his face off. Well, there's a bit where there's a a bit of skin hanging off. And I assumed that, well, my first thought was that maybe it was just a goof or... (laughs) Yeah, something yeah, maybe like the prosthetic fell off or something. Yeah, and there's like, yeah, it's a minor thing. No one's going to care. But yeah, then they just peel the rest of his fucking face off, and it's uh, a gross skull. And it 
looks awesome, and I amazed this is in a fucking PG thirteen Marvel movie. It is real gross looking, right? Like, yeah. like very graphic fucking body horror, like Hellraiser. I have like Uncle Frank looking, right? Worse than that, uh, in some ways, <laughs> because it's like all burnt up. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's wild looking. Impressive. Yeah. No nose, like you see the broken nose bone and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They do let him live, though. The rocket yeah. chooses to, and I like that a lot, because Marvel kills their villains far too often. Oh, you think we're going to have a return of Herbert Winston? No, no, not necessarily. I just, I think letting villains live on occasion is the right goal. <laughs> yeah, general, it's nice. From heroes. It's nice. Uh, um... Yeah, they rescue the rest of the animals, right? I like that scene where you see all the the animals fucking running on board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, flooding onto the ark, including those uh, Cthulhu monsters from the first guard, the second Guardians of Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah. We completely skipped over Mantis uh, being the uh, Cthulhu monster whisperer, and I'm excited for what that means for her in the future and her pets. Yes, I hope yeah. it means she rides a bunch of squid monsters around outer space. That would be mm-hmm. very fun. Um, and then Star Lord's the last one on the exploding uh, purple. Uh, oh, Groot saves Adam Warlock. By the way, we yeah, should yeah. mention that because everyone deserves a second chance, right? That's Some corny right. line like That's that. Right. Very nice though. Got me. Worked. 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 Mm-hmm. And whenever someone says something fucking corny and stupid in a comic book movie, I think about all the corny, stupid things I've seen in comic books and how that would fit in. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. 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 Um, so Star Lord is still on the, uh, the purple pyramid and he's basically, trying to beat the clock as Cosmo's telekinesis is wearing off because, you know, she's losing control of the ship Mm -hmm. and it detaches then separates from nowhere. And Star-Lord jumps and he's on his way floating through space. Cause I don't know if they know how space works. Um, You would die. But uh, as he gets halfway, a bunch of debris hits him and it holds him back. Right. And now we have Star-Lord basically stuck in space and his face is about to explode. It starts getting all puffy and cold. Yeah, yeah. We've seen this in three Guardians movies now, kind of, with someone stuck out in space and going, getting frosty. Getting frosty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That after his uh, adoptive father died in this exact same way that he would start carrying one of those uh breathing uh apparatuses or wear his helmet or wear the helmet that he's known to be wearing which he never wears this entire movie not once yeah what do you think of the guardians uniforms we haven't even mentioned it oh yeah i uh i like them uh overall yeah it's uh pretty accurate to a very specific uh era of guardians yeah i dig it I just had to throw it out there fast. Um, 
The one scene that made me roll my eyes here, by the way, as we think uh, Peter Quill is dead and we're finally like, oh, my God, I thought someone, a guardian was going to die in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to end where it's like, holy shit, it's going to be Star-Lord after all this. We see him start to drop his Zune and he sticks out one finger well, and then we see a... explodes. It puffs up and he looks <laughs> like a bloated corpse. Yeah. He looks like a Nick Nolte or Gary Busey mugshot. <laughs> indeed, indeed. He gets alcoholic uncle nose. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, uh, I could keep going. It's like he looks like my stepdad after a few too many. Um, <laughs> you know, um. They basically Adam Warlock comes to save the day here, but Adam, it yeah, yeah, Adam God, Warlock, our, yes, our man rather here, yes, um, our dude, uh, with no shirt on. I'm imagining that this <laughs> 20 seconds is why Will Potter probably ate 30 pounds of chicken and X amount of calories a day just to get this role and get all jacked for this one sequence. Um, you know, he fills the body of a godman. He does look pretty jacked, uh, but he does the Michelangelo Sistine Chapel sequence rather obviously, and it definitely made me go like, "Oh my god, that's so stupid!" It's on you the know nose. what I mean? It's like the uh, the Eternals, uh, fucking what's his name? Icarus flying into the yeah, fucking yeah, sun. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it didn't bother me as much as it did in that movie because this is just a better movie. Yes, for the duration. Yes. And it is on the nose, except like the painting is of God touching Adam. Yes. And it would have made more sense if it was Adam and the high evolutionary because it would have been, but whatever, whatever. Star-Lord is a celestial. Star-Lord is a celestial and Adam Warlock is a God touching a man. So maybe it's like verse Visa, Mm -hmm. vice versa rather. Sorry. Mix that one up. Uh, and then he rescues Peter Quill, and despite being frosty and the puffy face, Quill survives, and the Guardians embrace, and everybody is saved, and they win, and it's rather victorious. And we get our final goodbyes, where Gamora um, goes back with the Ravengers, yeah, and they, we got a give little... us all contract updates on who's yeah. yes. going to be around uh, for the next movie uh, and yeah. in what capacity. I hate that, like, I'm so cynical where I start thinking about that stuff towards, like, the ends of these things. <laughs> and where can't I was... just enjoy what they're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I have to be like, well, I know that Chris Pratt signed on for at least two more. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they can't kill, like, Bucky, you know what I mean? Or yeah, something yeah. like that. Like something stupid. It, it sucks that that's where adults uh, read things. Yeah, that the internet exists. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. We're part of the problem. We have a podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are the problem. Yeah. Um, I do like how Quill kind of accepts that Gamora, the Gamora rather, that he knew is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one that he knows now, uh, while she'll never like love him in the same way, he still likes who she is and she knows who he is and the like we would have been fun bit was rather nice you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um she's welcomed by the ravengers and like a triumphant kind of like welcome home and 
G's found her own home, which is nice. You know what I mean? It's not the same Gamora, but at least this Gamora is happy, right? Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool ending. Then we get our update on what's going on with the Guardians. Um, They break up. Quill wants to go back to Earth because he realized he no longer can run, just like Rocket realized he was done running, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And he's going to go back to Earth to see if his grandfather's still alive. Um, Mantis is going to... She's been living with Ego, doing everything that he wanted, and then living with the Guardians, doing everything that they want. She wants to go out on her own and find out what she wants to do. And um, Drax is like, I'll go with you. And Nebula is like, no, I need you here because we need to build a new society. And you weren't built to be a destroyer. You were built to be a father. And I like that a lot. I think that's a great end to Drax's story, right? Like everyone gets their own individual bit of closure. Um, And then Rocket is giving control of the Guardians of the Galaxy as their new leader um and then Groot says I love you <laughs> it's crazy yeah, weird kind of weird yeah yeah mm-hmm. do you think that Groot said I am Groot but they just said I love you like we finally just heard what they hear Groot say you know I I don't hate the theory I don't think that's what happened I, I, <laughs> no 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 I'm re- we'll, we'll I'm re- go next movie if he, he starts uh Speaking normal English all the time. Okay. I'm rereading the uh, Timothy Zahn uh, Heir to the Empire books. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm part of the problem. Uh, and in those books, uh, Timothy Zahn translates what Chewbacca is saying. And uh, that's why it made me think of it. Like, you know, it's like in the comic books when there's like the little asterisks mm-hmm. and it says like spoken in Chewbacca or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Spoken yeah. in basic or something like that. Maybe we were just hearing Groot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, Quill gifts Rocket his Zune. And um, he plays a Florence in the Machine song. And it ends with a dance party with all the little kids. And this shit got me, man. And this shit should not <laughs> like make a grown man weep with joy. It's crazy that yeah. it worked. It goes on crazy. Perfect. Yeah. It did, but it was nice. And when Drax finally hit it, like... Well, his history movie arc here. <laughs> is that he, he learned to dance. Yes. It wasn't yes. just for losers. Yes. I, I loved all that quite a bit. I I really did like the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mid credit scene. We get a look Rock at our is, new lineup. Uh, we get a look at a new lineup. I don't know if it's going to be our new lineup. It depends <laughs> on who comes on for the next one. I'm sure they'll have ideas on who they actually want to use. Do you think there's going to be a next one? Uh, eventually, eventually, yeah. I do not think they're going to touch the Guardians of the Galaxy with a ten foot pole. Okay. I do not. Yeah, I think they will include. Okay, the Guardians and something else. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. I do okay. not think we are going to get a I, solo I Guardians just of the Galaxy. Desperately want a movie with Rocket as the the main character. Yeah. You yeah, can have, I, I just want a non-human Marvel movie as a delete. That's all. That's yeah, all. you just want to test the, the audience's uh, suspension of disbelief. Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How far can Marvel flex this and, and, and kind of, uh, 
you know. I just want to do away with speciesism. That's all. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, the new lineup is uh, Captain Rocket leading the team. Mm-hmm. Groot, right? Who's yes. now even larger than his previous form. He's actually hidden as a boulder for a little bit. Uh, Adam Warlock. Cosmo the Space Dog. Craglin, who now has control of his arrow. We totally skipped that part. It was pretty fun. We also skipped the gigantic space swarm that I was scared is the MCU version of the Annihilation Wave, so I'm not even going to will that into existence. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't even... Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Pretend, pretend I said nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like my Galactus Celestial Eternal Theory. Pretend yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Pretend it doesn't exist. We'll get an, an annihilation wave in a proper Galactus someday. Just keep your fingers and your toes crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, Blurp, the uh, dinosaur chicken nugget fuzzy thing. And one of the little girls from the that they rescued from the uh, slave ship. Yes. Um, this is Phi Lavelle. Yeah, Phi Um Rocket is asking them who their favorite musical acts are while going through the Zune. Uh, Phi Lavelle's are Britney Spears and Corn. Thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny how, uh, what's his name? Craglins was Garth Brooks, right? That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Adam Warlock's being Adrian Ballou is a joke that only I got that I thought was fantastic and appreciate 80s King Crimson getting a shout out. Um, and then they go on to attack a bunch of adorable animals. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought that was a weird way to end this after you, you go through an entire two-hour movie showing that all these animals should be respected and being cruel to animals is awful and wrong and they just slaughter the stampeding herd or maybe they just stop yeah. them. Maybe they just stop them. Craglin volunteered them to... Face repeatedly. <laughs> Dude, Craglin volunteered to do this by himself and his power is shooting an arrow through stuff's heads. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that sounds like there's only one way that could go. <laughs> yes. Yes, not well for the He's fuzzy just animals. Wound them mildly. <laughs> yes, um, this is my favorite line of the movie where Cosmo is like, "On your word, Captain," and there's like a long pause, and then Rocket just ends the movie saying "word." I thought that was just fucking uh, yeah. spot on, yeah. spot on, spot we on. We forgot uh, Cosmo's arc of uh, getting to be called a good boy or a good girl, brother. Good dog, good dog, good dog. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Good dog. Yep. And Howard the Duck was in there too, so yeah, yeah. We Brent didn't Holker forget was, it, nerds. Uh, was the eyebrow vendor from Guardians One? Yes, yes. Was uh, Lloyd Kaufman in this film? I didn't see him, though. So that would have been a good spot. You know what we missed, and I'm kind of embarrassed that we did, considering our track record here at Beyond <laughs> Infinity. What's that? Our favorite craggly faced. Oh, Yondu. Ugly Yondu. Yondu. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Michael Rooker has appeared in this film as a ghost or something, right? Uh, hallucination, artistic uh, license of... Uh, yes. Helps Craglin learn how to control the, uh, the arrow. Yes, because James Gunn cannot make a movie without his lucky charm that is 
our favorite character actor, possibly of all time. He's up there. He's up there for sure. He's up there. Patron state of the podcast, Michael Rooker. Um, and yeah, and then the post credit scene is basically a fucking Hollywood Reporter article saying that Chris Pratt still signed on to play Star Lord. He's with his grandfather. Um, Mowing like, yards or something. Yeah. I, I Did you notice that. the article on the paper? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, it was funny. It said like alien oh, abduction. Kevin Bacon, Kevin Kevin Bacon. Bacon tells yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. It was very silly. Um, yeah, it was a big nothing, just like the legendary Star-Lord will return Chris Pratt still down to make these movies. You know what I mean? Because he's not ready to be the new Ronald Reagan and run for president yet or whatever Chris Pratt plans on doing with his career. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I love this movie, Travis. Um, do you have anything additional that you would like to say about Guardians of the Galaxy? volume three before we jump into our final thoughts and our reviews on the film no that's about it, about it. let's do this then tell us how you really feel let's read this we here at MCU Beyond Infinity rate and review all of these installments from one to five star lords one star lord being the worst five star lords being the best we do accept half star lords the 32nd right installment of the marvel cinematic universe the 10th cinematic outing for marvel studios post avengers endgame and i think like the 38th installment proper after all, Travis, James Gunn's thrilling conclusion to his Guardians trilogy, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, what say you, one out of five Star-Lords? Okay, uh, I'm going to go with four and a half, same as, uh, same as 2001 A Space Odyssey. Excellent, I, uh, excellent. Yeah, I, uh, excellent. I like I liked it in theater, but it took me a while to warm up. Uh, talking about it, I've enjoyed, and I, I think I'm going to enjoy it more on rewatch than I did on the first viewing, and especially once I get it home and all that. Uh, this feels like a nice cap off to the uh, Guardians trilogy, and it makes it kind of the most consistent trilogy. Like, I probably personally enjoy the Captain America trilogy more, but that first film kind of stands out as being very, very different than the <laughs> two and three. Uh, yeah, the cohesion of the Guardians trilogy yes. being under one thumb. Uh, cohesion and quality, <laughs> both. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's about it. I went into this film, like we mentioned before, rather hesitantly, rather nervous. Um, Part of part of me was like, is Marvel Studios going to did they fuck James Gunn the same way they fucked Taika Waititi? Right? Especially yeah. knowing where James Gunn is going on this thing. That's right? what I was second guessing talking about is that I'm glad that this movie is good because of the lead up to fucking Superman. Um, yeah. If this movie had been a 
a, a dud or just a shit film or, or any of that, people would be using it as ammunition against the DC reboot. And it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, I am going to use this movie as ammunition for why Marvel's a bunch of fucking idiots for not letting their creators fucking create. Mm -hmm. And this is a prime example of how if you hire someone of the competence as Ryan Coogler, Taika Waititi, fucking um, James Gunn, maybe even Chloe's out. I don't fucking know. And you let them make the movie that they want to make in the way they want to make it without worrying about all the bullshit. Like you can make a Marvel movie without setting up 20 fucking sequels, spinoffs and TV shows and just oversaturation of content. Marvel studios, you have damaged your brand because of all that kind of stuff, because you worried about, the sheer volume of stuff that you wanted to produce over the quality of what you produced. And a lot of that goes down, like will boil down to you didn't let the people behind the camera do what they fucking wanted to do. They did it here. They let James Gunn tell the story he wanted to say. They let James Gunn um, work the way he wanted to work. Um, even to like a jarring degree. Like uh, I know, I know we like guardians of the galaxy volume two a lot more than most people. It seems yeah. to. Um, that's a very James Gunny movie, right? Like that kind of does the James Gunn family stuff and the trauma stuff mm -hmm. a little bit heavier than the first film did. And then volume three kind of took it up another level um we know that gun doesn't like to work in he doesn't like to work within like the boundaries of like i'm not allowed to do this i'm not allowed to show that he kind of likes to go for it when he can go for it like suicide squad is like rather gruesome like that's a that's a very violent film um and this film is rather heavy um, on top of like, the, I wouldn't say the violence is as overboard as the Suicide Squad, but no. I will say, no. But but thematically, this movie, um, I think may be difficult for some smaller kids, um, and not necessarily in a bad way, like, and not even like worse than like Temple of Doom was when we were little, you know? No, no, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, but it like felt at caliber with some of those kinds of movies, those like bigger, weightier blockbusters, like the jaws of the world and the fucking, the, the, the Indiana Joneses of the world. And, um, this is the second time on the podcast that I am going to also rate something, the same rating that I rated 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> the only other time I have done this on this podcast was when we covered, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is the only other time I gave something five stars and gave it a perfect score. This made me remember that Marvel movies can exceed expectations mm -hmm. and surprise me and fulfill me not only in the way that Quantumania did where I'm telling my 10-year-old self, 
shut up, you idiot. Be happy. At least Modok's in this, right? Yes, At least yes. Kang the Conqueror looks like a dumb purple time travel guy in a chair. Like, mm. what are you complaining about? At least you got this. It's like, should I just be happy I'm getting something or should I expect a level of quality of something that like I invest a lot of time mentally in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's a bummer. You know what I mean? Lately, um, it, I it goes at this point, like uh, comics in general, where sometimes you don't pick a winner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to be like pick and choose which ones you want to read kind of or general maybe, audiences at least yeah and I, I I'm, I'm hoping that the Iger coming back Alfonso being gone Feige stepping back into the like okay we're gonna slow it down I'm gonna oversee everything again yes I'm gonna nurture this franchise back into health uh COVID's over Let's heal the wounds and get back on course. Um, I'm hoping I, I, I'm feeling positive about the MCU for the first time in a minute. And uh, the next theatrical outing is the Marvels uh, directed by Nia DaCosta, a director who does do small scale stuff very well, has handled a mid budget franchise film with, action in it rather well which uh the Candyman uh sequel slash reboot slash legacy sequel thing mm-hmm. um i hope that that surprises people and is good like uh, I, I don't expect it to be as good as this because this was yeah. Yeah. this was like a victory lap for all parties involved they did the unthinkable um and made rocket raccoon a global phenomenon that we cried for like it's crazy um i really hope the next one with um with the marvels and this long break in between allows for those those wounds to heal because i don't want that to be the one coming off of this and not being good that's gonna be a bummer yeah yeah that's gonna bring out the worst in uh the worst sections of the internet if that happens you know what i mean that session is going to say it's bad regardless, but I'm hoping they don't have uh, extra <laughs> evidence to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. don't want to add fuel to the fire or hand them ammunition or anything along yeah, those lines. Yeah, yeah, I know? hope it's a good movie. Uh, yeah, me too. Good. I, uh, I want people to like Kamala Khan as much as I do. So. Same, same. Yeah, and um. I I'm I'm leaving an opening weekend of a Marvel film feeling good recommending it. People ask me how it was. I'm not saying it was okay. Like I'm yeah. not saying that. I'm saying this was the best Marvel movie I've seen maybe since the first Black Panther. You know what I mean? Uh which is a good fucking feeling because this is shit that I really like. It's shit that you really like. You know what I mean? Um and I can't wait for James Gunn's Superman movie. How do you feel about James Gunn making a Superman movie? You think it's the right choice? I, I wouldn't never have picked him in my head, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I am on board for it. I Is he directing to or just writing? Yeah, he just he came on to direct and write. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, I 
the heart will be in it. Like that's the thing that was kind of missing <laughs> from the entire Spider-Verse. Yeah, 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 yeah. The joy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that Superman's parents aren't sociopaths or anything mm-hmm. like that, and mm-hmm. raise him into a good young lad. Yes. Yeah. If if he can embrace that that feeling of outsiderness and 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 being on the outskirts like that alienation that you feel mm-hmm. and then and then coming to to embrace yourself and the good within yourself like similar themes to what he did here in Guardians of the Galaxy um with the wholeheartedness and sincerity that that Superman deserves I think it'll be like a fucking slam dunk I hope um all right, let's wrap it up, Travis, with a little bit of news before calling it an evening. So we stand in solidarity with our uh, <laughs> WGA <laughs> brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the writer strike. Uh... The uh, the AI bit of the the bone of contention with the studios between the writers is the headline bit where they want to raise guidelines on how AI can be used to write scripts. That's reasonable. Uh, I feel I don't want studios to just have an AI punch out a script that is just. And then having a real writer come in and fix it, I guess. And polish it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having artificial intelligence involved in any form of the arts is kind of disturbing and weird at this point. It makes point. you feel soulless, kind of. And yeah. I'm not even a person that believes in souls. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, only soul stones. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have visual evidence of that. I saw Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I know who Adam Warlock is. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw the Guardians three, um, uh, but uh, artificial intelligence also brings up like the very bizarre question of where is artificial intelligence getting this information from, and where is it taking it from, and who owns what it's being taken from? <laughs> who is it plagiarizing? Uh, yeah, who is it plagiarizing, and how can we account for that? You know what I mean? Because it is plagiarizing something because it's working off of a search engine, essentially. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's very, very bizarre shit. Um, and the first Marvel project to be affected by it so far is, unfortunately, the movie that I don't know if it's ever going to happen at this point because it's just another fucking wrench thrown in the fucking gears for Mahershala Ali's Blade, um, mm-hmm. which we just got news that true detective writer and creator Nick Pizzolatto would be contributing to the script for. If you told me that Nick Pizzolatto was making, writing a Blade movie starring the guy from Moon Knight, uh, Moonlight, oh my God. <laughs> uh it's late uh mia goth and delroy lindo in like 2012 i would have freaked out um i have mixed feelings on pizzolato i dare anyone listening to this to explain the plot of true detective season two to me i guarantee you can't do it i guarantee even if you think you can do it you can't do it it's so insane um 
but I do think he's got some good ideas in there. He's worked with Mahershala very well on True Detective season three. And have you seen True Detective season one? Uh, I've seen the first one. I haven't seen two or three. Okay, yeah, but you've seen the the one that matters. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's some of the best television of all time, right? Like it's up it's there. Very good. It's very good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, do you, does Blade even have a director at this point? Right. I think so, though I could not tell you who it is. Exactly. Exactly. It's like lost to right now, right? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to start filming yeah, like yeah. soon, you know. As like a release date slotted. Mm-hmm. Um another thing with the WGA that's kind of confusing, and like a friend of mine who is a member um who had written some scripts has told me about this before, uh, because he wrote on a sitcom and that sitcom was in syndication on like TBS and he was getting like nice royalty checks, like 700 bucks a week, like coming in for every time an episode he had was aired on like TBS at like two o'clock in the morning or some shit. Um, And when that got moved to streaming, like Netflix or wherever it is, um, Netflix will literally send them like a 60 cent check because they don't know how to like divide up the, uh, the syndication rights for streaming they can yeah. basically say whatever they want because they don't release numbers and things like that like you don't know if anyone watched it or didn't watch it or how popular <laughs> yeah. it is or how much traffic it brought in directly or how much traffic it brought in just because it played it randomly and what told it to play it randomly and all these annoying things so uh the streamers have been really capable of fucking over um especially like below the belt people who like kind of thrive on those royalties because they worked at like union rates and were guaranteed like points on the back end. Right. Same shit that fucked ScarJo. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I was guaranteed points for a theatrical release and now you're releasing this thing streaming and you don't release your streaming numbers. How the fuck am I supposed to pay me? Yeah. You need to pay me. Yes. Yes. I, this is my job. You know what I mean? I know people are like, Oh, poor babies, millionaires, like fuck you. Like, don't complain about the millionaires complain about the billion dollar corporation fucking over the mm-hmm. guy who held the light gaffing for black widow or, you know, my buddy who wrote an episode two and a half men, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you know, Stupid shit like that. Um, I hope blade comes out. Cause Mia Goff's a good pickup, dude. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, if it does get made, you think she'll stick around for more than one of these things. Or she just a one off villain. You think, I don't know. I hope she's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice. It'd be nice. In a perfect world. In a uh, perfect world. How about uh, some Sony Spider person? Oh, God. I didn't even know we had this. Yeah, yeah. Craven uh, the Hunter is going to be R-rated. Okay. Rhino is going to be the villain. Okay. And they've released a trailer... Uh, at a con or a festival or something. Cinecon or, or whatever. Yeah. Us peasants aren't going to be able to see anytime soon, but. Spider Verse, Spider Verse, Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they show off the iconic, uh, Craven outfit or whatever. Allegedly, I mm-hmm. have to see it to know if I agree with that assessment. But... Okay. And uh, Rhino is transforms into uh, a comic accurate Rhino allegedly. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what that means either. 
Does he wear a onesie with a horn on it? I hope. I hope. I hope too. Yeah. I hope too. I hope too. Russell Crowe's in this movie. I wonder who he's playing. He's playing like Craven's dad or some shit. Okay. Yeah. 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 And like Craven's like an animal activist or something. We read the plot once. I don't know if it ever made it to air, but we did read the plot once to to one another. And it was yeah, insane. yeah, yeah. The animal conservationist or whatever. And yeah, yeah, is madness, dude. Um, R-rated, I mean, though. R rated, and this director, I, I forget the. Didn't was it most violent year? Was that what we were talking about yes, before yes, he it directed? Was. Yes, it was. That's a movie that I I saw and I don't remember a goddamn thing. I think I walked out of the theater and I was like, I don't remember anything that just happened over the past two hours. It's kind of a boring movie. It's not bad. Uh, I'll watch it this week and uh, I won't remember it a week from now. And (laughs) I would say that even if my memory was good, I think it's not it's inoffensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy did make a movie called Triple Frontier, a Netflix movie with Ben Affleck that I really like um, for all the wrong reasons. It's very tasteless and stupid and not a good movie. Uh, got a bunch of hotties like in the jungle kind of doing Tom Clancy stuff like a yeah. rescue mission kind of thing. Um, I really dug it. It's like kind of shockingly violent action. Oh. Yeah, it's good. Like it's a, it's a fun one. Um, so like maybe I like the Venom movies. So like Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So time. they're gonna do Craven Slash Hunt with Rhino instead of Spider Man, and it's... <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea if that's true, but I, I'm just imagining Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, committing suicide at the end, and that's how it ends. That's why it's rated. <laughs> and the Rhino wearing like the the uh, the Craven outfit instead of the Spider Man outfit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm imagining him throwing himself into a uh, into a zoo enclosure and just getting mauled to death. <laughs> Is Paul Giamatti coming back as the Rhino? Unfortunately, not. Unfortunately, not. I, uh, uh, he should I get a cameo. He should get a cameo. I just kind of like Paul Have Giamatti's say, version. He's the Rhino, maybe. He's uh, the Rhino. Yeah, he's a Rhino. <laughs> And get pantsed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck happens in that movie. Uh, oh, it's fucking nonsense, man. Um, we got a couple weeks off with uh, some Marvel content. Um, but we're going to be eating our words in about a month because the Flash movie <laughs> looks like it might actually exist, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I... We're finally, finally there, man. I'm weirdly excited for that one. Uh, I'm overly excited for this movie. <laughs> if that's it accurate. exists, that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if if it exists, I'm overly excited for this movie. If it doesn't exist, I'm going to be able to say I told you so. But summer <laughs> blockbuster season, 100, is like approaching very fast. There's like a big movie after a big movie pretty much every single week, as well as Secret Invasion coming in like a month and a half or so. Yeah, 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 yeah in June. So we'll have Spider-Verse, we'll have Secret Invasion, we'll have The Flash if it exists, um, and a lot of stuff happening throughout the summer. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, you can find us on social media at our Facebook group, the MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook group. A wonderful place that Kira, Travis, and I have started to talk any and all things related to 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe, comic books, Star Wars, anything really pop culture, you name it. We're probably talking about it over there. And if you want to reach out to us directly, you can email us at mcubeyondinfinity.com. Did I fuck that up? mcubeyondinfinity at gmail.com. I'm fucking tired, buddy. We got to call it a night. Let's call it a night. Until next week, my name is John. I'm Travis. And we are Groot. 